This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 252. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Ed, drinking Dasani sparkling water. It's quite good. This is Steph, drinking regular water. And this is Dustin, which I already said, but I'm also drinking sparkling water for some unknown reason. It's a Batman thing. Anyway, <laughs> I guess. So we are covering the news and comics from the weeks of June 17th through June 30th. Still have comments that we need to catch up on that we're going to catch up on. We have some news to talk about, two books to cover, and if time permits, and I really hope it does, we will be having the return of Monkey Watch in this episode. So, let's just dive straight into the news so we can get to that monkey watch, because I know that's what everyone's looking forward to. So, first up, the very first announcement we have is on uh, June 19th, it was announced that Sam Keith is going to be returning to the world of the Batman universe. He is going to be writing and drawing a series for IDW and DC Comics, another crossover between the two publishers called Batman the Max. And this takes the Max, which was a character that Sam Keith created himself. I'm not familiar with it, but based off of the gist of the description of the series, it makes sense as to why the character could appear around Batman. Sam Keith, also known for drawing humongously large ears. It's like the return of the artists with large Batman ears. Yeah, Kelly Jones and uh, Sam Keith, both returning to the Batman universe on separate books so I can enjoy that art. Ah, uh, anyway, You're gonna love uh, that. the series, yeah. The series is going to debut in September. It's a five-issue mini-series, which is uh, one issue no short than the normal, but then again, I guess DC has said that they're not really caring about how many issues actually come out in, in mini-series going forward. But that all being said, that is what you can expect. Jim Lee's going to be providing alternate covers for the series, so hopefully the series doesn't get delayed because of that. Yeah, outside of that, that is that announcement. Anybody interested in Sam Keith returning? I have no idea who that is. Don't worry. It won't. That makes, that makes that perfect makes sense. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'll probably read it, but I'm not doing backflips over it. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know who Sam Keith is, he is not like a prolific... That stupid Mad Hatter thing he did. Yeah, well, there's that. There's also... There's the, yeah. he, he's worked on a variety of different Batman projects over the years. Nothing for a significantly long time. Nothing that's really burning into the minds of anybody out there. I mean, maybe there is. I don't think there is. But 
I know that when I saw that he was going to be doing Batman, I immediately, I always associate him with Kelly Jones because his art style is, in my opinion, very similar. The tone is very similar, I should say, with the depiction of how they draw Batman. It's very similar. So if you don't know who Sam Keith is, well, then you might find out this September if you pick up Batman the Max. So check that out. Outside of that, let's move into solicitations. So also on June 18th, DC announced their solicitation. September marks the end of the summer, and with it comes changes to your favorite bat books. Guest writers are stepping in on several titles. A few titles are going bi-monthly, and one character is being taken in a completely new direction. First up, the expectation that we would learn the new creative team on Detective Comics was completely dashed. By the lack of any announcement for the series, while James Robinson follows up his guest stint on Wonder Woman and Trinity with a guest stint on Detective Comics. He'll be paired with artist Steven Segovia for a story that features Firefly, Tweedledee, and Tweedledum. No word on how long the guest arc will last, but we know it will last at least the two issues in September. But hopefully there's an announcement coming for the series next month at Comic-Con, or I should say this month during Comic-Con. In some surprising news... Both Nightwing and Titans are both going bi-monthly. As you remember, Nightwing was previously bi-monthly until the release changed in May along with a number of other titles. September will mark the first time since the beginning of Rebirth that Titans will be bi-monthly. Can't be a coincidence that we're getting more of Batman's first sidekick in both of those titles as this month will feature guest artist Matt Wagner on Batman number 55, which will feature a flashback to the origin of Dick becoming Robin. Appearing in at least five issues over the month is great for fans of Dick Grayson. Now, the one thing I want to point out before I move on to the other announcements, because there's a bunch more, Matt Wagner doing a guest stint on Batman with Tom King retelling the origin of Dick Grayson becoming Robin is slightly concerning. Yeah. Thoughts? I will hold off judgment until I see it. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. Okay, Tom King, he has not really foregone any big, huge changes, in my opinion. I mean, if anything, some of the problems that I've had are just things that he's continued over from Scott Snyder's run, and that would have been that, – that was some of my issues. That's not necessarily his fault, though. That's you know him continuing the work that was extremely popular that Scott Snyder did. So my, my thing is – I guess I'm with Ed. I'll just hold off on thinking it, but it could be it could be a problem, but we'll see. This is actually the first time I think we'll really be seeing something as definitive as something well, no, I guess that's not true because there was that that throwback to supposedly Bruce Wayne tried to commit suicide after his parents got killed and that was pretty upsetting and annoying and frustrating too. So yeah, here's hoping. Okay. A couple of characters are getting in new directions over the month. First up in Red Hood and the Outlaws, the series will lose Bizarro and Artemis and give Red Hood a new costume and a mission to punish DC's most evil villains. Over in Batgirl, Barbara shows off her new costume, which we talked about in the last episode. Again, a coincidence that the members of the Bat family are changing at the same time? Eh, it could be. Probably not, though. New this month is Batman Damned, which is the start of the DC Black Label imprint, which will be a three-issue miniseries surrounding the death of the Joker and whether or not Batman was the one who finally snapped and killed his arch nemesis. Meanwhile, a new cooperative, which we already talked about, the Batman the Max, 
Uh, that's going to be a five-issue miniseries, as I already mentioned. On the DC Universe side of things, Justice League will again feature a story by James Tynion as Scott Snyder takes another break after only two more consecutive issues. The big news, however, is the launch of Tom King's new series, Heroes in Crisis. The seven-issue miniseries will feature Harley Quinn in a prominent role and will be sure to be critically acclaimed title. Uh, we talked about that in the last episode. In Milestones, Harley Quinn will hit issue number 50 with a special 48-page book where Harley breaks all of reality and must work to fix the mess that she has made. The other big milestone is Titans number 25, which looks to be an all-out battle between the three squads of the Titans against a common threat. Finally, if you are looking for TBU characters and other titles, here is what you can expect in September. The four-part crossover between Aquaman and the Suicide Squad wraps up. The Batman-centric story in Deathstroke will continue. Talia al Ghul continues to be a mainstay in The Silencer. The Unexpected heads to Gotham City and crosses paths with Huntress. And while not being mentioned in the solicitation for the book, Action Comics number 1003, that is, shows off Batman protecting Superman from some kryptonite. Could we be seeing... Could we be seeing Brian Michael Bendis' writing Batman sooner than later if that covers any sort of hint? Well, probably. Of course, and of course, I'm saying this knowing that there's another story that's going to be happening to come out in September, which we'll get to in a second. But if you are interested in the full list of all of the books that are coming out from the Batman universe and the stuff that we cover over on the site, head over to the website, check out the solicitations list and a neat little gallery that showcases a bunch of the featured art for the month of September. Hopefully, we hear some things. Solicitations just happen to be coming out right around the time of San Diego, so we could potentially hear something about Detective Comics. Here's hoping we don't keep getting guest writers on Detective Comics leading up to 1,000. That would be a horrible decision. No, we've got to get it to San Diego. It's got to. I hope so. I really do. All right, so that's solicitations. Now, one of the big news items that came out unexpectedly was on June 22nd. This came from DC Comics. They sent out a press release to a bunch of people, including ourselves, announcing that they, starting July 1st, which already happened if you're listening to this, Walmart will be carrying exclusive 100-page giants that will feature original stories from a wide variety of top talent at DC, as well as fan-favorite stories from throughout the DC Universe's history. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Walmart... Why? That, you know, like, wall Mart, really? And, yeah, so, basically, the idea behind this is that DC had made a deal with Walmart for Walmart... for 3,000 of Walmart's stores across the country to be carrying... These 100-page giants, they include inside the 100 pages includes a 12-page original story that is unique specifically to these books, which means you won't be able to read them in digital. You can't read them at your comic shop for the foreseeable future. I'm sure eventually they'll get collected, but they're not being collected right away. And they're exclusive to Walmart, and they have a minimum of... Well, a minimum of at least 14 issues planned, which means this deals for well over a year because of some of the announcements as to what is going to be included in it. So there is four different ones. There's a Batman one, a Justice League of America one, a Superman one, and a Teen Titans one. Now, what's interesting about this is that the descriptions are all on the site of all of them. I'm going to focus out here on the Batman one specifically because... Obviously, we're the Batman podcast, so that's what we're going to cover. So the Batman Giants is going to include, the first one includes a uh, Batman 608, 
Nightwing number one from 2011, Harley Quinn number one from 2011, and then there's also uh, the original story. So the first original story is a two-part story by Jimmy Palmiotti and Patrick Zercher. Basically, the story is about a missing girl, and Batman's the world's greatest detective, but what happens when the trail on in his newest case leads him back to a place from his past that he never expected to revisit. So that's the one that's supposed to be happening in, I believe, the first two issues. And I say that because in September, superstar writer Brian Michael Bendis is going to make his DC debut on Batman with a 12-part story called Universe. Batman's run-in with the Riddler leads the Cape Crusader into a mystery that spans the globe. Now, if you have been following along, you, you put your math together, 12 issues, and it starts at number 3, means it has to go for at least 14 issues then, which means it has to go until at least August of 2019. So that's how long this deal is at least going to. I mean, it's very well possible that if they're successful and they work out and DC sells them, then they could continue on. But for now, if you're interested in reading these stories, you're going to have to find them at a Walmart because... I can almost positively say that maybe the the shorter stories, like the the two, if you take two 12-page stories, combine them into one, you can make a little bit of an over, not really oversized, but you can make a one-shot, and that might get collected at some point next spring because they've done that before with you know the exclusive Harley Quinn that was in Loot Crate or other versions of Harley Quinn that had other that were in other avenues I should say and I'm sure the Brian Michael Bendis Batman story will be collected in some way too if you take 12 pages and you make it into 12 that's basically the size of a trade so yeah it's a six issue story arc because it's right yeah yeah so basically that's what's going to happen but or a really oversized one shot one of the two that's got to be a trade because that'd be six issues I imagine yeah I mean I imagine it'll be a trade because because it just makes sense but, yes, yeah, so what do we think of this Walmart deal? Well, I don't go to Walmart at all. So I guess I'm going to be left out of the loop of this. I have one burning question. We still get review copies of this? Huh? Nope. That, and that edit that out. Oh. Well, did they actually tell you that? Well, we don't. We haven't. They're already out, and we're not getting no, them. No, that's true, I guess. Anyway, uh, unedit there. I mean, most of it's rehashing, like... Batman 608's Hush Part 1, right? So most of it's stuff that we've all read before. I wish you could get this through, like, your traditional means, but I guess it's going to have a lot of people... Well, let me rephrase that. I hope it has a lot of people hunting down comics, because if it's no one buys it, that would be terrible. Because this... I mean, in theory, if you have 3,000 stores, even with semi-decent... You know, will this affect comic book sales? Will this go on the comic book sales list? Nope, because it's not being distributed it's not by Diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a pretty good idea. I mean, all of the I've had maybe three comic book stores in my town, and they've all shut down in the last, you know, five years. Mm. So Walmart, but we have three Walmarts. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, people in towns like mine, where the nearest comic book shop is forty-five minutes away, you know, this is access to something, and a lot of them may never have ever stepped foot in a comic book store, but go to Walmart all the time. So this is definitely reaching a clientele they haven't before, so it makes sense to have a bunch of classic stories in there to get readers hooked on, hey, this is a comic book, I like this, this is great. I don't know, I think it's a good idea. I think it's great for marketing, no doubt about that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, the thing is, I can definitely see the, the, the reason behind it. I mean, 
here's the thing. If we can get rebirth stories that harken back to continuity pre-Flashpoint and not have editorials say, no, 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 wait a second. You can't talk about that because we haven't discussed that yet. We haven't established whether or not that's part of continuity. If we're not having that happen in Rebirth because they're letting the writers actually tell their stories and the entire point of New 52 was to get new readers in and ultimately, I mean, I hate to say it, but ultimately it didn't really work because the sales numbers from 2011 to 2016 when it ended did not you know, go up significantly. In in many cases, it went down across the board because that's just how the industry has trended for the last 10 years. It's just trending down. So the thing is, if this is a way to get people to read comics, by all means. The one problem I have with it is the way it's going. they're going about doing it. So I also never go to Walmart. I think over the past two years, I've been to Walmart twice, and it just so happens that it's the week after Christmas because my kids get Christmas gifts that just happen to come from Walmart, and I have to return them to Walmart, and that is the only time I ever go there, which is probably the worst time of the year to potentially go to a Walmart because of people just being crazy and Walmart's not very, tending to be very tidy and clean, and I have a problem with places like Shocker. that. But... I've been there and it's almost impossible to find something very easily because there's it's very disorganized in my opinion. I mean there's general obviously there's like a right. home section, there's a toy section, but like if you're trying to find something specifically in there and I know years ago this was probably oof, at least 8 years ago there used to be uh, Mattel had DC Universe classics figures. They had a wave that was exclusive at Walmart and I remember having to go to Walmart just to seek out these these figures that I wanted to buy because I didn't want to have to pay an enormous upcharge on eBay, and it was almost impossible to find anything. And if it, and if you could find something, it was always priced incorrectly, or there was always problems with the way it was displayed, or you know they didn't care about whether or not they tore up the back of the box. Just annoying things that you don't tend to deal with when I go to other retailers. And that's not to say that things couldn't change, but honestly, the two times I've been there in the last two years, it really hasn't. But the problem I have with this is, so it's out. The book is out. If you're if you're listening to this, you could probably go to your Walmart and maybe find one. But basically, I've seen pictures, because I'm not going to go out of my way to go to Walmart to get a 12-page story for $5. That's just not going to happen. I can buy it online eventually when it's collected, and that's every single Where's week. Where's it going to be at Walmart? Well, that's the thing. So it's basically they have they have made a space in the same aisle as the baseball cards and collectible trading oh, wow. cards on a shelf, on the bottom shelf, in a cardboard display that just basically holds the books, and you know, so you can see them oh, from Lord. the shelf. And that's what it is. It's literally just a cardboard put it in the thing toy sitting section. on a shelf. I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, it, it would make sense to put on a, in the toy section, put on an end cap right next with to the Batman other toys? DC toys. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, or, you know, even at the checkout lanes it, with, you know, like the magazines and the tabloids and that junk that's out there. But I mean, like Archie Digest are still there, I'm sure, because I see them at my grocery store still. So I'm sure that stuff is there. I'm not sure why that's the choice, the place they decided to do it. But the other part of it is that I've been reading online that it's been extremely difficult to find them because at most, these Walmarts are only getting about five to ten copies of each book, which means if someone wants all four, 
there's only, you know, four to nine copies left. So that's not that many. I mean, that's less than a comic shop has of a title normally. That's a really small amount. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, that's, I mean, like, I'm sure some of the bigger stores might have more copies, but some of the ones that I've heard, which are, you know, just normal Walmarts, they don't have that many copies of this. And then what's going to end up happening is that cardboard display, which is probably meant to be used for the entire length of this contract, is probably going to get end up getting chucked by Walmart because it's empty. And they don't want this empty cardboard thing sitting on their shelf for a month until the next group of issues come out. And then what will happen is the books will come and they'll just be thrown on the shelf, which will make it even worse. But And... They're already going for pretty good money on eBay. Yes, and that's the other part I was going to say. So, like, if you are not by a Walmart that carries them and you want to get a copy, good luck. Because on eBay, they're selling, I saw earlier, they were selling for at least $20 a piece. Some of them were higher. So, I mean, like, four times the face value of what it's actually what it actually costs at the store. So, there's that, too. It's like the Teen Titans is the most expensive one. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, five copies of store just doesn't sound like a lot, man. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's not a lot. I mean, it, the thing is, like, I can see to a degree DC does not want to overproduce because they don't want to have waste. Because I'm sh- because I know from working in a retail setting years ago that anything that's paper, if it doesn't sell by a certain date, it just gets Sucked. thrown out. I mean, it gets recycled, but it, I mean, they just get rid of it. And then they get a credit back for whatever they don't sell. Um, that's not even that many copies, though. I mean, that's, it's, that's like 15,000 copies. Yeah. 3,000, five, five per store. 3,000 stores have it, right? Well, I mean, like, you have to, you probably have to average about seven per store, so, like, still, like, 21,000. But even that's so, like that's number. nothing. That's nothing. I mean, bad comics. I mean, I guess, I guess at D, for DC, $5 a pop for these books, you know, it's, it is 20, let's just say it's 20,000 copies per issue. But it's still four of them, so there's eighty thousand copies that they're selling for five dollars a piece. That could potentially be a significant chunk of money. But they're not going to get the full boat. I mean, no, they won't. Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I mean, yes, it's still significant, but just I don't know. It doesn't sound like somebody thought this through all the way. We say that a lot about marketing, don't we? Like, I don't think someone thought this. Yeah. Through. Next time, do you yeah. see if you listen to this? And I know some of you there do sometimes. Could you do me a favor? And the next time we would do this, put it in Target. That's what I'm saying. Like target. It's not, and, and like I can understand the idea of putting it in Walmart. I I'm not going to sit here and deny that Walmart doesn't have more locations than most other retailers. I know that Walmart has locations in very remote rural areas that there are not targets. So like I get the reasoning behind it, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad idea. But I think the execution of it is not it's not all the way thought. Do you know what I think the truthful statement we could say about this is? I want to see if you two agree with me on this. It's a great idea for DC, but it's a bad idea for me personally because I have to go try to find one. Yeah, I think it's a great idea for DC as a company. Yes. Not a great idea for the individual fan who wants to potentially read these stories. Well, I mean, if they're going to put the new story in a trade eventually, then this plan in and of itself isn't super great, but the fact that they're still producing new content that hopefully will be collected later yeah i mean obviously they're not announcing that it's going to be collected i can't imagine it not being only because here's the thing Uh, the first brian michael bendis official batman story there is absolutely no way the only place we're ever going to see this thing is in these giants it's just impossible there's there's has to be a point where they'll collect it if it's not right away then it'll be way down the line but it's going to happen at some point but here's what i don't get about that just like 
So, like, the average kid in Walmart that's buying this Batman oversized giant, right, doesn't know who Michael Bendis is. Let's be honest. Just doesn't. Right. 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 So, like, a Batman Michael Bendis story would probably be a better fit in a comic book, traditional comic book store. Brick and, right, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Comic book fans see Michael Bendis and the fact he's doing a Batman story that actually might ship some units. You know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. seems like they're just like, I'm not trying to be condescending, but for the Walmart Batman comic, you could have thrown any writer at it. It's, That's know. true, and I think the reason, but I think the reason why, because also the Superman book has Tom King doing Superman. That's the first time Tom King, outside of his his short short story in the pages of the action comics number 1000 it's the first time he's telling a superman story mm. and it's the same thing where he's telling a 12 part story the same length of time that you know bendis is doing his and the thing is i honestly believe that dc did that because those fans like us who are going to want to read the first bendis batman story are going to go out of their way to go to walmart and get it and then that in some ways, is going to have a baseline of fans going and purchasing this book so that DC can show Walmart that, hey, this could be successful. And I think, honestly, that's what it is. Maybe. Mm. Anyway, all right, so outside of that, so that's that's the news. Outside of that, if you head over to the site, there's two episodes of DC All Access that have posted. One is talking about the new lineup in Teen Titans with Adam Glass, the writer on the series, going forward. Um, also, both episodes feature either Dan DiDio or Jim Lee talking about new comics that have come out in the past two weeks, so you guys can check that out. Uh, before we dive into the comics, just a quick mention, there's two new editorials on the site that are comic book related. The first one is the TBU Group Spotlight, the Birds of Prey roster part two expansion. Now, this is taking place basically from the back half of Birds of Prey, the main series, and right before the new 52 so if you are interested in learning more about the birds of prey check that out and the other one we have is we currently have a character spotlight that is being published relating to alice kane beth kane elizabeth kane the you know kate kane's sister as she's been appearing in batwoman so if you have not taken a look at those and you want to learn more about either the birds of prey or elizabeth kane be sure to head over the site and check those out so with that, we're going to dive straight into our books, and the very first one we've got is Batman. Batman number 49, writer Tom King, artist Mikel Janin. Oh, let's simplify this one. Catwoman comes in to save Batman from the Joker, where we were left at the end of the last issue, and ends up on the ground. The Joker's also unable to kill her because he's pretty screwed up too. He's got a gash in his neck. And he's got to hold it to stop himself from bleeding out so he can't reload his gun to kill her. We get like a long conversation about all the different rogues over the years and how they thought about him. And the fact, Joker brings up the fact that, you know, Catwoman never laughs and asks her why. And then they talk about some of the rogues, which is in this kind of entertaining conversation. Joker eventually has enough, decides he's going to try to kill her because he's the Joker. He gets up and uh, passes out from lack of blood, apparently. Falls on the ground. Batman says, you know, I'm. I'm been shot with some kind of poison needle that's got me where I can't move, but just I'm, I'm I'm fighting it, so I'll be there in a minute. And Catwoman starts laughing, and that's it. That's that. No, that's that issue. Now, the the main part of this book is the conversation. Well, almost the whole book is Catwoman and Joker having a conversation on the ground in the rubble, which I actually think the conversation is really good. So they talk about a lot of villains in there, and the one I kind of enjoyed the most was the conversation about the Riddler, when she talks about his theory that you know. The Joker is not sane. 
you know, the, the, Ed thinks that you're sane, and then you're just plotting all this. Uh, plus, there's some great cracks about a sideburn. So my question is, do you guys buy the Riddler's theory that the Joker is, in fact, just sane and doing it all for laughs? That is not where I thought you were going to go with this issue. <laughs> I get two questions, so. I mean, he is pretty clever, right? Can you, you can be clever and insane, right? I believe so. And with the revelation, quote-unquote, about three Jokers being true and them dealing with that in the future, maybe his insanity is more of three different people being one person. That would come off as crazy, where it's really three personalities. Well, my take is this. Uh, Definitely the Scott Snyder version of Joker. I don't think there's a question about that. But my, my thought is, basically, is he sane? No. Is he more sane than we're led to believe, I think, is that uh, there is a twinge of insanity, but I guess the a proper way I should put this question is, is he more sane than we are led to believe, typically? Well, I think I think part of it is it just depends on who's writing it. In this situation, probably, I mean, obviously there are people who, I mean, there are characters, I should say, not people, although I'm sure there's people, too. There are characters out there that have been presented in pop culture as completely insane, but they come across as extremely intelligent and you wouldn't have any i mean they're they're able to mask the the fact that they are insane by the fact that they are extremely intelligent one that immediately comes to mind which i'm sure is in some ways not a direct comparison but Hannibal Lecter is definitely insane chooses to eat people for a living or not for a living but chooses to eat people but then in turn is able to basically go unnoticed for such a long period of time because of how intelligent he is. Joker obviously doesn't eat people that we know of, but I would say that <laughs> but I would say that like there are definitely points where Joker just comes across as he's still very intelligent and I don't necessarily agree with that version of the Joker because I don't really think that Joker should be this intelligent person, especially when he has always just been this you know crazy person and like he does crazy things but sometimes his things are too well thought through in my opinion and I think like I said that just depends on what writers actually writing him feels like like I said this is the same one that Snyder was writing and Snyder was writing a a Joker that was very very Hannibal Lecter-ish in the fact that he was extremely intelligent and always pre-planning and mind screwing with Bruce and Batman all the time. So. It's the Moriarty Joker. I think that's what we, we started calling it back in the Snyder Day, right? It was the, he was the yeah. Moriarty Joker. Yeah, exactly. And that's and I don't necessarily agree with that version of the Joker, but I'm not going to say that it it you know it it can't be interesting because I didn't think I, I mean honestly I'll be I'll be completely honest these these two issues I I didn't really see the reason behind it other than just to tie into that DC Nation story that we had last month. So. I'll leave it at that. Well, what is crazy? I mean, he's definitely psychotic, right? Yes, that's true. What, I mean, how do you define crazy? I mean, there's some days I'm crazy. Well, I mean, I'm just but... saying, like, I never looked at him as a character who was supposed to be super intelligent. Mm, okay. I mean, like, you look at some of the other depictions that, uh, of Jokers throughout time. Like, sure, he robs banks or, you know, in the Dark Knight, he robs banks. And that's actually a very methodical and very Moriarty-type Joker too in some ways because he's planning everything out and he happens to know how everybody's going to react to certain things but like you look at the Joker from the animated series and sure he has his moments of planning something that doesn't make any sense but like 
you know, randomly killing your head henchman for no reason just is, doesn't make a lot of sense, but he does it anyway in so many different versions of not just the, the animated series, but he's done it in comics too. I mean, the thing is, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he is not psychotic. I think it's just more of the intelligent aspect of it that is is not what I, not my cup of tea, I guess. So the other thing here is why is Joker trying to stop the way, right? And I think... Ah, yeah. I knew that's where you were going to go. I couldn't... You know I'm not going to not talk about that part, right? So the Joker gives his reasons quite clearly why he wants to stop the wedding. The Batman will give up his war on crime. He wants Batman to not be happy, but only not happy in the way that he will give up his war on crime. What do you guys think about this? Is this... I asked the question about was he insane to set this up, because if he's insane, none of it matters. He doesn't have to have a rationale. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares about his rationale? If he's nuts, he's just doing stuff because he's nuts. If he is partially sane, and I subscribe to the theory that he's not as insane as he lets on. At least not this version. Dustin, 70s Joker? I agree, yeah. Right? (laughs) 70s Joker, different. Totally different. different. 80s Joker, different. This What we call the Moriarty Joker? I don't think he's as nuts. I think he plays up the crazy. And I do like the idea of the three Jokers because I hope that this... Gives us some clear perspective on a character who is vastly different over different appearances, right? But that being said, I believe that Ed Nigma is right because he's almost always right. And I think that he's maybe not totally sane. He's definitely got a, a streak of insanity. And Steph makes the best point, which is, well, how do you define insanity? He's definitely psychotic, you know? So I think it's a tough question. And if he's insane, it doesn't matter. But if he is at least semi-sane, what do you make about the rationale for why he's trying to break up the wedding? So... Just looking at this issue. Without any... Without... Yes. Without yeah. any other... Stuff. Stuff out there, <laughs> which I'll, I'll Spoiler alert. Later. <laughs> yeah. Without anything else attributing to the potential answer that you're asking. I mean, the thing is, to me, it didn't make any sense from the very beginning. It didn't make any sense to me that the villains would know about the wedding. It didn't make any sense that the Joker would be hell-bent on getting an invitation to a wedding that I don't know why he would know about in the first place. The Here's the thing. You know, ultimately, it just comes down to this. Joker's idea that if Catwoman g- gets married to Batman, then there's absolutely no way that Batman will continue on. His war on crime is just ridiculous. I don't understand this. And this isn't the first time this has been brought up. People have actually said in their arguments about why the two shouldn't be married is that if Batman's happy, he can't go on to be, he can't keep doing what he's doing because his vengeance, his non-happiness, you know, his anger and all of that stuff is what drives him to do what he does. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And that's why I thought the wedding was was a really good thing to happen for Batman is because if the wedding happens and and Bruce and Selina get married, then, well, one, we can get some really unique new stories that we have never really gone into before. But the other part of it is that if, if everything plays out in a way where Batman gets married, then Batman isn't just going to stop being Batman. I just don't see that. I mean, it's not... I don't believe that it's Batman's unhappiness is what drives him to do what he does. I honestly believe that it's a desire to, you know, make Gotham a better place 
in, in, in respect for his parents because of the horrible thing that happened to them. That's the way I view it. And I know that not everybody views it that way, but that's the way I view it. So if I view it that way, I can't believe to myself the way the Joker's talking, which is if Catwoman gets together with Batman, then you know Batman's just going to stop being Batman. I just don't see that because I don't look at it from the perspective of if Batman is happy, he doesn't have a purpose to fight crime anymore. So this idea that, you know, do I believe what Joker's saying, you know, how he's saying, is it, could it be true? Yes, of course. He th he's, I mean, we just talked about it. He's insane. Could it be possible that he actually believes that is a likely possibility that his ultimate, you know, complete mirror version of himself as he views it is going to just stop and he's not going to have anybody to fight anymore. Obviously, that's a big deal for the Joker. And if that is how he actually views it, then it makes sense that he would try to stop the wedding. I just don't understand why he knows about the wedding. I just don't understand. Because of the massive guest list. Yeah. I think it is weird that his sort of, a, I mean, it contributed to him being crazy, but his reason for being there somehow changes. Like, first it's, I want to go to the wedding, I want to be a part of the wedding, and then it's, no, no, I need to stop the wedding, I need to kill the bride. So that was a little indicative of insanity, that even the reasons for his actions changed within the issue. Almost, or within the or between the two last issues. Yeah, within the whole little arc, I guess. Yeah. Again, I, I'm kind of with you, Dustin. I think the rationale is flawed, but it's not. I'm not looking from the perspective of me. I'm looking at it from the Joker's perspective, and there is very much echoes of Death of the Family and Endgame in here. You know, like this is the dance we do. This is, you know, what I'm saying, mm -hmm. like this is what he believes in. This is this is he he is that he is. The second to Batman, he loves him. He, I mean, this is—he loves doing the dance. This is his whole thing. So I think it is consistent from that point of view. I just—I don't agree with it personally, but I don't agree with half the stuff the Joker believes. So, or almost anything the Joker believes, or, or anything the Joker believes. So I guess that's okay with me from that perspective. But I do believe that that this might be how he would—he would see it. The whole question of how he found out about the wedding is—who knows? I can't answer that. Who knows? You know. I have some comments to make there, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that until we finally get to that issue. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting story to me that requires you to have to ask the question, is the Joker sane? And I think that the Riddler's probably right, which kind of makes it more interesting in a way. That's it. I don't know, though. You can't kill that many people and be normal. Well, but psychotic, I think, is different. Like, yeah. I think from insane, I think, I think what I mean by that is for the longest time we've had this, that he isn't thinking through things that he's the oh, agent okay. of chaos do you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and, and i think a lot of that honestly dustin i think you might agree with this i think the whole he's an agent of chaos really comes from the dark knight oh yeah like people are like that's how he's always been it's like eh, not really he used to drop typewriters on people yeah, you no. know like yeah th this whole he's an agent of chaos comes from the dark knight and by all means it's a marvelous movie and adapting that into the comics i'm, I'm not one who you know you can't keep the Joker doing the laughing fish for for seventy five years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I I get it. It's fun. I don't mind moving on. But I, I think there's a difference between how he's portrayed sometimes as he a man with no plan, agent of cash, just wants to burn the city, and then these deeply intricate long term plans. Mm -hmm. Is he insane from the view of killing people? Yeah, of course that's insane. But I think he's more logical in his own mind than we are subscribing to him. Does that, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, it does. And I think ultimately it just comes down to. This is this version, 
that's why I'm actually probably one of well, one of the main reasons I'm really looking forward to this three Joker series whenever it eventually gets announced. Straighten it out. Which I'm ho- I'm really hoping it gets announced at Comic Con and then it's coming in like October or November or something. Twenty twenty one. Because if well, I, no, I'm not. I doubt that. But I'm saying because Fabic has been talking about it on Twitter that he's been working on the series for a while now. I know that he's worked on some other projects recently. I know he's doing some pages in in the Man of Steel book that's that, that just is wrapping up now. But the thing is, like he's been talking about it. It's been something that other people have been talking about for quite some time and saying that it's going to happen. Now that it actually, like in some ways, was officially announced, but not really through that uh, Jeff Johns announcement a couple of weeks ago or whatever. I feel like it's only a matter of time before it actually ends up happening. I just, I'm really looking forward to that because I want to learn the mystery behind the three, but also to get a clear definition as to the distinction between the three. Because I think there's a lot of people who just, they look at Joker and realize, they don't realize that this version of the Joker is not the version of the Joker that was around for such a long period of time. This version of the Joker is fairly new. I mean, honestly, it's only been around since the new 52. I mean, it's just, there was not this Joker would, did not exist before that. The Joker had roles and and stories and stuff like that, but it wasn't this kind of Joker. So, all right. So, Batman, I'm going to give a total of three out of five. It's not. I mean, I'm going to give it three and a half out of five, and a lot of it I really enjoy, especially the, the back and forth between Catwoman and, and Joker. Yeah, I I agree. I thought I really liked it. I almost wanted to give it a four out of five, but I'll agree three and a half out of five. Yeah, it's close to a four. I'm I'm kind of stuff like it's not quite a four, but like just the back and forth is really entertaining. And some of the some of the like like the back and forth about different, you know, why does why does Penguin wear that suit? Is that I mean like it's some of it's really entertaining stuff. It's not bad. Great dialogue again by Tom King. Uh, Over on the site, three and a half out of five from Ian, which is going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 983, written by Brian Hill, art by Miguel Mendicona. Darren Griffith, a 16-year-old YouTube star and self-proclaimed biggest Batman fan in the world, is on the local news channel giving an interview. He admits to the news anchor that he has never met Batman, but he might have met him once. She asks him why he loves Batman so much. Darren responds that his YouTube channel is a place to share stories of what Batman means to different people. He shares that Batman has been a has been and is a source of light in dark times. One week later, Duke Thomas, the signal, enters an apartment and sees Darren restrained and unconscious. He hurriedly tries to free him, but is interrupted by a masked man telling him that he is making Batman weaker. Before Duke can respond, this stranger blows up the apartment, and Duke is thrown violently out of the place and lands on top of a vehicle below. Duke is rushed to the Batcave, where Alfred and Bruce stabilize him. Later, outside the manor, Bruce sternly tells the Martian Manhunter that he specifically called Clark John says says that Clark is preoccupied, but he is more than willing to relay any message he has to Clark. Bruce shares that he is going forward with his team initiative, thus he has business in Gotham. Martian Manhunter quickly realizes that Bruce wants to enlist the aid of Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning. Bruce warns that although the League will be aware of his decisions, he must have his team outside of the influence of the League. He needs his team to be working his way. Bruce comes back to the Batcave to check on Duke. Alfred shares that his suit took most of the punishment and he has 
but he still has several internal injuries. Alfred also shares that in Duke's wounds, he's, he seemed to find a data drive. Bruce asks him to look into the manor after Alfred left. Duke whispers that the man said that we make him weaker. In Metropolis, Jefferson is in the process of stopping a hostage situation. Throughout the negotiations, he thinks back on his mission statement. Although he is no Superman, his job is nevertheless still important. As a high school principal, he is able to help kids who fall through the cracks. So often, without support and direction, the washed-out students enter into a life of crime. He helps people create lives instead of destroying them with violence. In the end, he is able to free the girl from the attacker. In retaliation, the man arms a grenade, however. Jefferson is able to create and hold a force field around the assailant so that the explosion would be contained inside. He and the girl will be unharmed. Back in his office, Jefferson is working on how to have his suit increase his own powers. Amongst the shadows, Bruce shares that the girl owes her life to him and that the madman chose his own fate. Jefferson immediately knows that Batman is speaking. Solemnly, Jefferson admits that although he saved the girl, Batman would have been able to save both the girl and the attacker. Bruce shares that he has a new opportunity for Jefferson. He says that he has a team and the resources, but that his team needs Jefferson as a teacher. Bruce shares that there will be a chartered plane in six hours waiting for Jefferson. Back in Gotham, Bruce is on his nightly patrol. Alfred calls him to let him know the data drive contained no malware, just an audio file. He then patches the audio feed into Bruce's cowl. This, this unknown assailant begins a monologue stating that his own actions probably made Batman angry, but it was karma. He shares that he is what happens when good men lose their way. He shares that Batman was once a symbol but is now a novelty. He addresses Bruce directly and shares that he is he has ruined Batman and his legacy. He claims that he will save Bruce now. Elsewhere, Cassandra calls Alfred and says she wants to see Duke. Despite his advice, Cassandra is going to check on him anyway. Behind her in the street, there is an explosion. Using the explosion as a diversion, the mysterious, mysterious assailant gets the drop on Cassandra. All right, so a couple of... Uh, I've got really two questions. The first one is, this is, in in my opinion, a backdoor pilot for an outsider series. I don't think it's difficult to get in, get in what he's talking about, how he needs the team to work outside the influence of the league. Black Lightning is going to be part of the team. I mean, this is, this is the outsiders. I mean, let's be honest here. We're not, we're not, of course it's the outsiders. If you don't, yeah. if, you, if you don't know, the, if you don't know who the outsiders are, because you haven't been around since before the new 52 the outsiders was a team that existed in the 80s originally that batman basically it was like a team on the outskirts of what the league the justice league was so they did like the dirty work that the justice league couldn't do i guess is the best way to put it over the years it's changed it went from batman and the outsiders to just the outsiders to i think there was another there was another series in the 90s just called the outsiders Eventually, pre-Flashpoint, it w- they relaunched the series Batman and the Outsiders after then it became the Outsiders again. There was a bunch of different times at one point Nightwing was leading the team instead of Batman. It's gone through a variety of variations, but the idea is that it's it does the dirty work. It also does a lot of stuff in countries that the Justice League isn't able to show their face. If it sounds familiar, it's very similar to what we just saw with Justice League of America very recently where they were supposed to be doing stuff that was outside of what the league could do. And then halfway through that series, it ended up cha- their mission changed because they ended up needing to put on a happy face for the media all the time. So this 
is what that seems to be. Now, there's been rumors for a long time, I mean for a long time, ever since Brian Hill was originally announced to be doing this detective comic story, that he would be doing an Outsiders series sometime in the future. The Outsiders were hinted at all the way back at the beginning of Dark Knight's Metal. The Outsiders have been hinted at. There's a, there's actually two different Outsiders teams mentioned in the latest issue of Doomsday Clock, if you hadn't seen that. So the point is, the Outsiders are coming. I mean, it's 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 happening. The interesting thing to for for to, for me to ask you guys is, do you think that setting up so far? I mean, obviously we've got four more issues after this, but knowing that most likely can't be f- for certain yet, but most likely that this is leading into an outsider series. Do you feel like this story, the way it plays out just here? is a good way to do it because we've seen other ones where you know we've seen stories like court of owls and out of that spins out talon or we've seen stories that have you know that have spin out other series and they don't tend to to last for very long this but i think the the difference between those series and this series but the potential series is that this seems to be an actual batman story that is clearly with a point to get to this other series. How do you guys feel? You go first, Steph. It is weird time. I mean, are are the, what is it, four or five different Justice Leagues, they don't, do they each get their own book? Yeah. There's three right now. Three, yeah. Well, there will be three by the end of August. And then on top of that, you've got Titans, which happens mm-hmm. to have three squads themselves. Oh, gosh. And then there's the Teen Titans. So, I mean, there's actually like five if you count the Teen Titans and the Titans. So, there's five different team books. Plus Suicide which Squad. Which, obviously, yeah, plus Suicide. Well, I, I try to ignore that. <laughs> but um, Plus Suicide Squad. So, I mean, like, but there's at least five teams of heroes that aren't being controlled by the government. I mean, that's um, a lot of team books. I mean, it, I guess if you find your team niche and you like it and you stick with them, it's it's fine. It just seems like... A little bit of an inundation all at yeah, once. Yeah, it does seem like overkill. But the thing that's interesting is that the direction that the team books seem to be going in ever since, I guess in some ways, this relaunch of the team books with Snyder on Justice League and, and, and Justice League Dark and Odyssey coming up shortly, is that they all seem to have their very a very specific focus. You know, you've got Justice League Dark that's going to focus on the magic stuff. You're going to you're going to have Justice League Odyssey, which focuses on the more cosmic space type stuff. You've got Justice League, which I mean, it's kind of a you know combination of all kinds of different stuff. Teen Titans, the the at least the special kind of made it seem like the Titans are going to be doing their own thing, or the Teen Titans are going to be doing their own thing from the teen perspective and focusing on things that matter to them. The Titans. In some ways, I mean, like, they have a purpose, too. It was, that was laid out in the Titans special. So, I mean, like, they all seem to have a purpose. But the Titans do feel like the Outsiders, at least the way they described in the Titans mm-hmm. special. But, yeah, I mean, group books, overkill. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it, Snyder is part of these group, group books now. And we know that uh, DC loves having stuff connect to Snyder's work. So That was also a little bit bummed that, you know, Batman just lost quote-unquote, his whole Bat family. And here he is, you know, creating another group, but it's not it's not going to be in... If, if you're right, it's not going to be in Detective Comics. So he's, I don't know, seems a little bit wasteful to create yeah. another group that isn't going to even stay in your own book. Yep. That's a little sad. Yeah. 
I buy it for the outsiders, but I don't think we need it. <laughs> like, there's two different, like, I think there's two different questions here, right? Do we need the outsiders? And do I buy this as an intro, right? Like, I, right. I, your argument about do we need them and stuff, I think you're both right. Like, how many team books do we need? That being said, I think this is fine. I mean, it's yeah. nice to have Black Lightning on the roster. The, the, mm-hmm. the story's interesting enough. I like, mm-hmm. I like Martian Manhunter. It's cool to see him in the book. The art's good. It's fine. I mean, it's the first part of a story where we could possibly get Batman and the Outsiders. And if you and if you do something clever and you make them the Suicide Squad with moderately better people, I can get behind it. It's just, it's it's, it's, it's fine. So, I mean, I hate, and I'm not saying it's an insult. It's, it's fine, you know? Like, as an individual issue, I thought the issue was really good. Yeah. I mean, like, as a setup for a potential uh, Outsiders team, it, it's, it's doing a good job. Um, I think it, what's... Most of the time, honestly, when we get a guest arc, when someone comes in and they're on the book for like three, four, most of the time it's not five issues, but when they're on, they're on a book for a certain amount of time and you know that it's a temporary placement, the stories don't tend to be all that great. But I think that this story, at least this first issue, was written in a in a very well way where it was paced really well. There was action. There was also plenty of introduction to the characters that need to be introduced for the future of this this arc. So I mean, like overall, I think that they did a really good job of. Or I say they, but I mean like Brian Hill did a really good job of setting everything up for whatever he wants it to become. I mean, you can get the idea that that the Outsiders is the direction they're heading, and that's not a secret. But at the same time, like. As a standalone story, even if it wasn't leading to a Batman or it wasn't leading to an Outsiders team book, and it was just the formation of this team and who knows when they're actually going to appear or maybe they just appear in one of the other team books, the story actually is a pretty good story. And I think that's what I think was very different about this is because, you know, it introduces a new new villain that we've really never seen, but it's an, it's an intriguing villain. And I'll get to that in my second question. But the other part of it is like, we get all the, we get Martian Manhunter, we get Black Lightning, you get Duke, you get Cassandra. I mean, like in a short, small book that these tend to be, there's a lot that happens in this book, and I thought I think that is what's really unique and different than most of these other guest arcs. A lot of times we get these guest arcs, and it's like, okay, we got to build up, but I'm here for three or four issues, so I got to build up slowly. This does not do that. This just hits the ground running, and it's just like. I've got a purpose and I'm going to get my purpose covered in the pages that I needed to get it covered in. So the second question I have is relating to this villain. So the villain is uh, they're 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 they didn't actually name the villain in the book, but we can assume that the villain's name is Karma. Um and basically the character knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne and says that he was a part of it at some other point, part of the reasonings behind Batman becoming weaker. So I guess a two-part question, what do you think of this character just the way it's portrayed here? Obviously, there's more to know about the character, but then any guesses as to who could potentially be underneath the mask? Because I honestly, I I mean, like, there's some obvious ones, but I don't think, like, it could be Jason Todd, especially with Jason Todd becoming a different character in September. This I think that's early. possible. I mean, I don't know. The villain here presented is fine. My only issue with it is I, I, it seems like it better be the Joker behind that mask because I've already read this story. It's called Death of the Family. You know, like, 
the family is making you weaker. We got to eliminate. I mean, haven't we just seen this recently? Like real recently, you know, um, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And if it's the Joker, it just him picking up on the same theme. But if not, you know what I mean? Like I just, we just kind of went through this not so long. I guess it's been about five years to be honest with you. It seems like it was yesterday. Um, Swerve of the year. Joker's daughter. (laughs) You know what? That would make sense, at least, carrying on the Joker tradition. Does that make, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know I know oh, you yeah. said that in, in jest, but that would actually make sense because it would make sense. It would be the case, because this is the Joker's, there is no doubt that this is the same, I mean, even the words are exactly the same, right? From Death of the Family. Yeah. So, this had better be the Joker or someone affiliated with the Joker. Um, Joker's daughter would be fine. But if not, this seems... I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say somehow they're going to bring this thing back to, if it's not the Joker, it's someone who was involved with the Joker's original plan. But if not, this is this is a serious retread. I don't think that's what it is. I've always thought Brian Hill was a good writer. So I think that he's going to tie these two stories together, which is fine. But it's got to be something, either the Joker or someone involved with the Joker. Why do you think they say their identity is irrelevant? I, 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 think it's the, I think the focus here is supposed to be on, it's all on Batman. Mm-hmm. It's all okay. on his allies. Like, who? What's? It's not important who I am. It's important what I'm doing to you. It's important what you're doing. Yeah, my actions speak more than who I am. Because I, when I read that, I wondered if if either we'd ever find out or we'd even know who they were when they showed up. I don't need to know who they are if we if we get like, especially if there's like an off-panel reveal that it's Joker or Joker's daughter, and I don't even need to know it. I just need, you know, what I'm saying like I'm fine with that. It's okay to leave the, the villain a mystery to me. I, I've never been one of these people, you know, that has to get the answer, but I do want it to make cognitive sense with the last guy who pulled this trick, you know, a couple of years ago. Well, there was also a villain just recently that we really wanted to know about, but you never the actually detective? got delved in. Yeah, first victim. I always wanted to really know who that was because that first victim thing has something, I don't know. That's That's one of the things that I'm sure... At some point, if we are to talk to James Tynion, we need to ask. Um, and maybe he'll say, well, that was an idea that I will, you know, I have plans to, to talk about at some point, so I'm not going to disclose it. But I really would love to know who that was. I mean, like, here's the thing. I don't, I don't need to know who it is in order for the story to be good, but there are certain – I feel like we will figure out – we will find out who it is before the end. Because it, they're setting up to where, like, it's we already know that they know the identity of Bruce or of Batman as Bruce. So it's not like that's not something you just disclose without explaining, I guess. I just don't see them not, you know, not telling us what that is. So there's that aspect of it. But I mean, like, if they were to go the route of not telling us, and then Karma just ends up being, I guess, the main villain for the outsiders. I don't know exactly how that connects, considering Karma's mission seems to be like getting rid of the things that are making Batman weaker. So, yeah, there's that part of it. But, I mean, like, the story does not have to tell me who it is in order for the story to be good. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. What about you, Steph? What do you, you got any gut instinct on who's behind the mask? Do you think it's someone new or something old? Well, when I first saw it, I kind of thought it looked like the insider outfit when Bruce Wayne came back. But I guess Bruce, that had three eye holes, and this one has one. Laser eye, and he's got a sword. I was trying to think, with my limited knowledge, who has a sword? Talon. <laughs> I mean, it could be anybody at this point. I mean, like it could even be a 
Bruce Wayne from another Earth. Oh, man. <laughs> Isn't he still running around somewhere? Somewhere. I liked how, all in all, Detective Comics seems to really build the world of Doomsday Clock. Like, they've been working on, you know, the Tim missing and the timelines being messed up. And here, you skipped over on your synopsis, but the VTuber's mom gets on TV and basically just starts blaming Batman for everything. And, and it really seems like it's yeah. building the world yeah. of hating superheroes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And not that this is immediately connected to it, and I know it's not. But also in the pages of Batman Beyond, there's a, there's a storyline going on right now where... People are being affected by seeing Batman and thinking mm-hmm. it's some sort of like horrific creature that is causing fear. But I'm sure that's not related. But I get what you're saying because at the beginning of Doomsday Clock, catch. they all yeah. are all they're all you know protesting against against Batman. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, a, this could be the beginning of that too. That's a really good catch, Steph. I didn't even catch that. That's yeah. a good point because that that would start building this cohesive universe because we know Doomsday mm-hmm. Clock is in the future. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. you know so. That's a good catch. It could be interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to see if that's what this story is about, as opposed to just a regular villain, but building that world up. That would be a very interesting way to tell the story. I'd be totally down for that. I think that's one reason I did like this so much is that even though it's a guest author, he really seemed to be building on the world that was left for him by Tynion, and also the world that's going to be connecting, connecting. Yeah. which is good too because it would have been a real tragedy if Tynion built all that up since the Detective since Rebirth, and then they just went another direction. Mm-hmm. That would have been tragic. So I like seeing the same cast of characters around. All right. So Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. It's still three and a half. It's good. Yeah, I agreed with that. Three, three and a half. All right. So over on the website, Tony gave it four. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's hover over the site for Greater Gotham. <laughs> First up, on June 20th, we already talked about Batman number 49, Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Red Hood vs. Anarchy number 1. While watching Catwoman's back at her bachelorette party, the Red Hood faces off against Anarchy. This was by Paul. He gave it 2 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Batwoman number 16. Batwoman has to choose between her sister and the symbol that she wears on her chest, which prompts a confrontation between herself and Batman with her disturbed sibling not making things any easier. This is by Oliver. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs down. Harley Quinn number 44. Harley penetrates the sanctum of Professor Pig and faces the Reaper. After rescuing her companions, Harley then turns the fight to pig this is you by david he gave it three and a half out of five i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up neutral neutral secondary tbu books batman sins of the father number five deadshot escalates his attack on bruce wayne and all those involved in the events at arkham asylum leading to potentially explosive consequences this is you by dan he gave it four out of five i'm gonna give this one a thumbs up neutral abstain batman the dark prince charming number two it's batman versus the joker with alina's Alana's, Elena's, I don't know, Elena, it's spelled very strangely, Elena's life at stake. That was reviewed by Adele. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I haven't read it yet. Abstain. 
Main DC Universe books, Justice League number two, the league makes its way inside the totality while trying to recruit a new member to the team. This is by Corbin. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman number five, Bruce and Diana uncover the true mystery of Ethla's murder and their findings have great consequences for both Earth and Tiernod Nog. This was by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I'm going to give a thumbs up on this one. Neutral for me. Secondary DC Universe books, Damage number six, Poison Ivy appears in the issue. Teen Titans Go number 28, which includes digital chapters number 55 through 56. The Teen Titans Go versions of Robin and Catman appear in the issue. Moving over to June 27th, we have, we already talked about Detective Comics, Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Harley vs. the Joker. Number one, on the eve of Batman's wedding, the Joker is abducted by Harley Quinn. This is by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batgirl number 24. Batgirl's on the trail of a drug-dealing gang when she is called in to save an old classmate, but things go wrong. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batman Beyond number 21. Terry begins to realize that there might be something more sinister behind Gotham's irrational fear of Batman. This was by Adele. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Bane Conquest number 12 is Bane's team fights on against increasing odds and opposition inside Cooper Mountain. Bane himself has been distracted by his premier adversary, the Batman. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, Mother Panic, Gotham AD number four is Violet Page goes on a press tour to reveal that she is back. Fennec Fox has to do more of the saving in situations involving... Jason Todd and Scarecrow. This is by Bob. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, Teen Titans Special Number 1, a collection of three mini-stories featuring Robin, Red Arrow, and Kid Flash that highlight their problems with the current status quo. This is by Adele. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary DC Universe books, The Flash, number 49. Batman appears alongside the Justice League, and Nightwing appears alongside the Titans. The Hellblazer, number 23. Huntress continues to play a supporting role in the series, as she has been over in the pa- over the past few issues. The Man of Steel, number 5. Batman appears alongside the Justice League. The Silencer, number 6. Talia Ghul appears in the issue and continues to play a huge role in the series. And then finally, the TVU trades and hardcovers that released in the past two weeks include... Batman The Golden Age Omnibus Volume 5, Hardcover, Batman Detective Comics Volume 6, Fall of the Batman, Trade Paperback, Justice League Volume 6, The People vs. The Justice League Trade Paperback, Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Rising, Hardcover, Trinity Volume 2, Dead Space Trade Paperback, Super Sons of Tomorrow Trade Paperback, Dark Knight's Metal, The Resistance Trade Paperback, Bombshells United Volume 1, American Soil Trade Paperback, and Teen Titans Go Box Set. Before we move on to anything else, I, I want to quickly touch on the Teen Titans special because there was a little bit of a controversy behind this issue. Um, the There was a point where Damien holds a gun and they don't show it on screen, but he shoots the gun because the, you see the, you hear the gun go bang and he is seemingly, he the at least the way the media has portrayed it, Damien has become bad and broken his father's one rule and killed Black Mask. And I just want to talk about this real quick because I think it's utter BS. We don't know if he's dead. Um, the first fact of that all. it's yeah, the the fact that it's shown not on panel 
is proof that it's it didn't actually happen. Because if they so kill Black Mask, all the, he'd be laying on the ground splayed out in blood. Yes, and uh, all the sites out there that are just looking to, you know, get... I mean, don't get me wrong, Teen Titans Special did an enormously well. It's going back to second print, which books just don't happen to go back to second print all that often nowadays. But this book is, and it's not directly related to Damien you know, potentially killing it's because there, it was, it was a very popular book. I enjoyed it. Um, so that, I guess the thing is, is there any doubt in either one of your minds that black mask is not dead? I mean, I, I feel like it was done as a, you know, cliffhanger type situation, a moment to get people to pick up the next issue. But is, do you really believe that they're reverting Damien back to the killing version? No, no, but I mean, I looked at his henchman and I was like, wow, that's, They'd be lucky not to it was be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of blood all over the place, and a lot of bodies laying all over the place too. I was more worried about the henchman than Black Mask, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, the big thing is when that, that issue came out, I, I was slightly annoyed because it seemed like every big site out there was talking about how Damien has become this murderous version of himself again, and I just. He just hasn't. It just hasn't happened. I'm sorry. Like I saw those headlines too, Dustin, and they're just that's not what happened. It's not what's going to be revealed. Yeah. It just isn't. I don't know. I don't know if killing someone that awful necessarily makes you. I don't know a murdering villain or changing sides. I don't know. Well, I think it goes back to that. You know, Damien originally was like, "Let's just kill these." You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he finally saw his father's way of thinking, and I think the way the world reacted was like it was this great betrayal of batman you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. and i just i just think there's zero out of ten chances that black mask is dead yeah if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i doubt it he's probably shot him beside the head and next time it won't be so yeah you better be glad i'm a bat i mean something like that like you're gonna cross the wrong guy one time and he's gonna kill i mean no doubt yeah yeah so the idea is that I just wanted to talk briefly mention that because I thought it was super annoying. I get annoyed by a lot of headlines, but I mean, I know that a lot of the headlines exist because people are just trying to get those clicks. So, all right. So before we dive into listener Q and A's, which we're going to try to wrap up as and get caught up as, as, as much as we possibly can, I quickly want to talk about Patreon. So in the last episode and the last couple episodes, I've talked about how we were going to be redoing the Patreon page. I spent some time after the last episode just kind of diving into it, going all in and just head head going head first and, and redoing it. So currently the Patreon has been updated. We currently have we have four different tiers similar to the way they were before, but the amounts are very different. We have the bronze level. I'm just going to roll through the the levels so that way you know what you're going to get if you are a supporter and how much it will cost you per month. So the idea, as I've said multiple times, is the Patreon allows us to actually produce more content, do updates on the site, things like that. So if you're wondering where the money goes to, this podcast gets edited. That costs money. We uh, would love to put out more content, but of course we need to have that stuff edited, which would cost more additional money. Uh, so we do that. Obviously, the hosting fees for the website, all the podcasts you have to offer, all of the podcasts we have on the Batman Universe, they're all hosted on the BatmanUniverse.net. That costs money because there is a buttload of podcasts that we produce and supply bat fans all over the world and our podcast has been around for a long time so we have a lot of listeners so we need 
to make sure that the hosting fees are covered every single year as well. So um, that's what it's going for. We've got also got some goals. Um, if we get to a certain point with Patreon support, we'll be able to bring back the TBU podcast with a new format and new hosts and everything like that. We've already kind of worked out a lot of details. It's just a matter of getting to a certain level of support. And then if we even go a lot further, which is way down the line, uh, the idea is to, like I said in the past, start a TBU news show on YouTube talking about the news as it kind of happens, or at least in, in a weekly format, talking and covering the news in a video form. So the more support the more support we get, we open up those other goals. So how can you support and what will you get? Because let's be honest, people don't like giving money just and get and not getting anything in return. So what we've come up with is a number of different levels and different things that you will get at those levels. So first up, uh, I have to mention that we opened up a TBU merch store. And right now, it only consists of the the newer TBU symbol on a variety of different products. There's everything from hoodies and t-shirts to water bottles, aprons, and mugs. I mean, there's all kinds of different stuff, so you can definitely just go purchase an item, and we obviously get proceeds from those purchases, so you can definitely check that out. There is a link on the site that uh, right in the sidebar above the, right above the, the Twitter feed on the side that you can click on and it'll take you to the merch store. It shows you all the different merchandise. Eventually, as time goes on, we're hoping to have fan art that we can turn into items to put on shirts too. Um, that is just going to take some time to seek out people to do fan art. Or if you're an artist out there who's listening to this and you're interested in potentially helping us out by supporting TBU by helping give a piece of work that you that we could feature on a shirt that you know that we could sell and uh, earn some money from that would be definitely appreciative as well but anyway let me get to these levels so the first up is bronze level this is a three dollar level so if you give three dollars a month you will be added to our bat fan appreciation page found on our site now what this is 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 a thing i added to the website so if you go to the batmanuniverse.com or, or net, dot net, and you look at the top by the menu page right next to podcast there's a thing in the menu that says show your support for tbu it actually lists all the different ways you can support, but at the at the bottom of the page, there's a thing that says Batfan Appreciation Wall. And this is where we will be listing all of our supporters that are supporting the you know the Batman universe so that you get a public call-out all, at all times. As long as you keep supporting, you're going to be on that list. Uh, you will also be able to participate in Patreon-exclusive polls in deciding certain things like discussion points, potentially, you know, we, if we have a couple different options for Monkey Watch in the future, we might throw a poll up there a couple days beforehand and let you guys vote on what you want us to talk about. Comic spotlights, uh, certain, we've talked about doing more comic-centric episodes, specials, and things like that where we cover miniseries or one-shots, let you guys pick those, so those that, that would be also. The other part of it is you're also going to re receive two exclusive episodes of a new segment we're calling TBU Raw. Now, this is a short-form show that's only going to be about 15 to 20 minutes, but you'll get it twice per month, and it's basically Ed and I, we basically call each other and we rant or talk about some sort of topic twice a month, different so topics. It might be edited very well. It might be... Or at it, all. It might be Batman-related. It might not be Batman-related, but I can tell you that they'll be interesting. If you like hearing us rant about things here on the Comic Cast, you'll like hearing... Yeah. Are what we've got it, in store it, it for may you be traffic related, depending on when you call me. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. So, 
that is something you can look forward to. Uh, that That is exclusive content you'll get if you're a patron. And that's only, like I said, at the $3 level. At the silver level, which is $10 per month, you will receive a shout-out here on the Comiccast twice per month. So every episode that we have, you will receive a shout-out on the episode. You'll receive the TBU Raw and all the other stuff that you receive at the, the lower level, but you also receive an, two exclusive episodes of TBU Extra. Now, what this is is another short-form segment where the Comiccast, that means us, are going to be reviewing an extra comic release twice per month. So one of the comics will be one that we choose. The other one will be actually voted on by the patrons. You guys will be able to choose from the list of the comics that we review at the Batman Universe. You'll be able to choose which book do you want. The one that wins is the one that we'll, we will actually review in detail. And then you guys will get that exclusive content as well. You also get an entry in a quarterly prize package, uh, which will include a few Batman Universe-related items revealed on Patreon every quarter. For every month that you support within the quarter, you get one entry into that drawing. So if you support for three months, you get three entries. One month, you get one entry. But the idea is that very shortly here, while you're listening to this, I should actually have the package put together so that you guys can see it on the on the on Patreon and see what the package is so that way you know what you're actually potentially winning for the first or for this quarter that were the first quarter which is July through September for the next couple months. So then there's a $20 level which means you will get early releases of TBU Raw and TBU Extra which means you'll get them before everybody else. You'll also get raw unedited versions of the TBU comic cast up to six days earlier than it releases at anywhere else which means basically you get it right away after we record it. Um, you're going to get the raw unedited version. You're going to hear stuff that, you know, isn't going to necessarily be in the, the public version of the release. Also going to get, after you support three months, you'll get an exclusive TBU shirt, not available in our merch store. So we'll have an exclusive shirt that we will actually ship you. If you support for three months, that will not be available for purchase. So it'll be an exclusive design on a shirt that you guys will get. And then finally, the Platinum level, which is $30 or more, you'll get everything else that we just mentioned, but you'll also get to choose a topic that you want to discuss, and then you could actually potentially discuss it with us if you'd like. Um, after three months of support, you can name the Batman-related topic, and you can guest host with us for a TBU special. If you are also at this level for three months, not only will you receive the shirt from the previous one and the entries into the 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 quarterly prize package but you also receive an item of your choosing from the tbu merch store so you could actually get a 50 dollar hoodie from our merch store for supporting us at the 30 dollar level for three months so you get to pick whatever piece of merchandise from the store that you'd like and then we will actually ship it to you for free so you didn't do the last tier which i understand but i really thought the tbu super vip super platinum double platinum where if you gave us $1,000 a month, I would come to your house and read you that issue of Batman for the month. Yeah, if you, yeah. Well, if yeah, anyone's interested. Yeah, well, I didn't post it. It's super vibe. It's so VIP that it's, off the it's menu. not even available. Yeah, gotta, yeah, it's off the menu. Just but get with Dustin and live somewhere close yeah, to my so house. So if you want to donate $1,000 or more per month, I'll yeah, one of us will, will fly to your house and read you whatever book you want us to read <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, even like two issues. If I got to fly out there, I read two. You know what I mean? Yes. So just a quick reminder, there, I, I switched this stuff over in June. July is when it actually all kicks in and starts taking place. As soon as you sign up, you'll also get all of the, the, the previous episodes of TBU Raw and TBU Extra. You'll get the previous episodes, so it's so you'll get the back 
episodes as well because it'll just open up as soon as you unlock them by paying. So there's that. But the other thing I want to remind you is uh, anybody who is previously supporting us on Patreon, if you have not gone in and chose your new level that you would like to be at, you're 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 not going to be getting any of those perks until you actually go in and choose. And the reason why is because the old tiers because they all changed and all the rewards changed and things like that. I didn't want to force anybody to be somewhere they didn't want to be. So you have to go into Patreon and actually re-choose your, your level if you were previously supporting us. So please do that so that we can attribute your support to you know certain prizes that you guys potentially could want. So with that, I want to thank uh, the, the two people that we have right now that I want to send a shout out to is Ian and Anthony. Thank you for your support. And anybody else who's supporting us at the other levels, thank you very much. Like I said, please just adjust your levels to be wherever you want them to be with these new rewards. That is greatly appreciated. Uh, with that, we're going to jump into our listener Q&As. <laughs> So the first comment we have, we're going to go back to number 248 because the last comment in the list is the, the, the only one we didn't, haven't covered from that, which is from Zach. So let's cover that one. Addressing comments regarding Batman number 46 and Tom King's lack of narrative clarity. I hesitate to agree that the readers should expect that a story arc should have a closed interpretation. King utilizes separate orders of time in his storylines to poor effect, I agree, such as discontinuous time or in me dot I don't even what? In me dias res, which places the reader in the middle of a narrative without an introduction. In literature, these structures encourage the reader or viewer to exert the effort of filling in the gaps, acting as a sort of literary device. But I ask, isn't that an aspect of pleasure that derives from engaging with fiction? Isn't assembling fragments of a story to arrive at an idea of theme part of the fun as a reader? So here, here's the thing, and I, and I don't want to cut this entire comment that he has short, but the other gist of the comment is talking about, you know, expanding this idea of filling in the gaps and, you know, whether or not we as the reader should do that. And I know we've talked about this before, and I just want to quickly talk about this because the thing is... I don't believe that comics is really the right form of media to be filling in the gaps because the thing is you're because comics continue on and continue on and continue on. And in some cases there are stories that, you know, you could pick up years and years later. Like let's just look at what Grant Morrison did. He took all these like weird ideas from the fifties and sixties and somehow implemented him to his own ideas for his stories and there's things where it makes perfect sense. But when you're a writer and you're writing a story and you create a character and you have a character appearing, but you don't talk about the character, you don't explain the motives behind the character and things like that. Those are big, huge problems with certain aspects or just completely forgetting about a character. And I understand to a degree that there are certain characters or there is a point to the madness sometimes as to why they're not talking about certain characters and things like that. But there are certain points that I think you can't just expect the readers to fill in the gaps because the problem is you as the writer intended it to be a specific way. 
if your intention is to just let the readers fill in the gaps, then why are you trying to tell us a story if we're supposed to be filling in the gaps? I just don't agree with that method. And I know that that's not how everybody views it. Because, I mean, Zach is not the first person who said that, said this exact same comment about us, you know, our complaints about filling in the gaps and we shouldn't have to do that. But the reality of it is that there is a point where if you're reading something, I shouldn't have to fill in the gaps. I mean, like skipping time, but nothing happens during that time. Fine. I mean, that happens in normal novels and stuff like that. But in a comic, you're literally getting a beat-by-beat-by-beat situation story. I mean, there's no reason I should be filling in gaps within a story. And that's that's the problem that I have. And I know it's not a, I know not everybody agrees with it. It's just my problem. I don't always have a problem with it. Sometimes it's not detrimental to not know. And sometimes, you know, they, they use that as a story device to, t- to later fill in the gaps of this is what happened during that time. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, like at the end of this Batman issue, Selena's laughing and we're not... 100% sure why, and it's never addressed. Like, spoiler, we read 50 already, and it, it, it's, it wasn't, Still it wasn't gas, apparently, or if it was, Batman had a, or it wasn't Joker, you know, toxin, unless Batman had, yeah, I don't know. Look, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just do this now. So, Batman 50, as you're listening to this, is out. We've all read it. It sucks. Um, I don't want to get into, we're, we're not, we're not going to get into, our feelings, I guess, except for Ed, who just shouted. Well, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know that's what we're doing here. <laughs> we're not getting into you know our thoughts on it. Initially, when we talked about doing, uh, we talked about either doing Batman Fifty on this episode so that you guys could hear our thoughts immediately. Um, basically, if you've read it and you've heard how it plays out, you'll know that there's a reason. There's there's probably a pretty big reason as to why we're not covering on this episode, but we will cover it on the next episode, obviously. But We've read Batman 50. We know how it plays out. That's why it was so difficult to talk about 49 without relating to what I saw in number 50. But the thing that I have a problem with is 49 happens and there's this idea that like Batman is down for the count where Catwoman has to come and help him. There's this whole thing. It seems like Catwoman is stabbed, potentially laced with some sort of, you know, something Mm -hmm. because it's Joker and that's what caused her to laugh. I mean, there's a million different interpretations when it comes to this stuff. And the problem is it immediately just goes to the next issue and it doesn't even mm-hmm. – it's like it doesn't even take place immediately after 49. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been something that's been reoccurring throughout Tom King's run where there are stories that are taking place and you're sitting here thinking, but why aren't they talking about what just happened in the last episode or last mm-hmm. issue? And like you don't see that in you haven't seen in detective comics. Tynion very clearly just keeps going. It's one humongously long story. And Tom King is still telling a really, really long story that in my belief, and we'll get into it next episode, is is a hundred issue story arc, basically. But it feels as if there's these weird points within the story that he just is ignoring. Like this Joker story that happened feels like the only reason it existed was because they needed something really cool with the Joker to be in that DC Nation issue in in, in May. I honestly feel like that's the case. And this, when you when you actually read number fifty and see how it it all plays out, I mean, like there's a little bit of a twist at the end that maybe makes a little bit of sense as to why. 
But not really. I mean, not really. So No, it doesn't make sense. What are you talking about not really? It doesn't make sense at all. Like Well, like I said, I don't want to dive into it because I feel like there is there's there is a connection that I can make to I know where you're going. the that's final pretty sequence. Loose, bro. I mean that's Yes. It, yes, it is pretty loose. But I mean that's the thing. When you are reading something that Tom King writes, you've gotta read you've gotta look at these loose connections because somehow they end up being extremely connected. But you weren't able to make the connections because he's not showing you to make the connections. And that's the problem that I have with this. So, I would say this. I, my little two cents about this, right, is I don't mind if you do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if occasionally you have something that happens and off panel. I, I don't think that's almost forced by the, the form of the narrative sometimes. Right. Yeah. And that has like, to happen. Yes. But when it's constant... <laughs> And it feels like it happens all the time. There's a point where you can look at any story, any writer. This is not solely directed at Tom King, okay? And say, does my effort, does my emotional investment in this story have an appropriate payoff? This happens in movies. This happens in all kinds of things, right? But there's a point where you get to it where it's like, okay, am I ever going to get paid off? And if Tom King, in this specific instance is trying to sell tell us a 100 issue story no that's too long like i'm sorry that's just not to mention for the casual fan most most people that will come in and buy batman comics from time to time and new fans that are getting on are not going to make it through 100 issues we'd all agree with that 100 issues is a lot yeah right and Mm -hmm. even with this condensed timeline of two issues per month it's still four years mm-hmm. yeah, it's still t- and outside of the you're talking almost a decade there's a point where i'm not even going to remember anymore that there were supposed to be paid off for this stuff and i'm sorry but gotham girl was in the first issue of rebirth and we never you know what i'm saying it just like pfft. so unless we're going to spend the next 50 issues cleaning up all of the loose ends from the first 50 issues i don't think this is going to work and i'm sorry to be so negative about it to be honest with you like all right, all right, all right. And you let's, know I'm upset about uh, it. Get to our next upset. one. So I actually forgot. To, we actually have one other mm-hmm. comment that came in at 248 that I, I, if I remember correctly, we did not talk about this last episode. No, we did not. We did not talk about John's comment. He sent his comment in via email, and he specifically said, "Have you guys seen the recent announcement about Amazon's print-on-demand comics?" Was hoping to get your thoughts on that. And now I want to actually talk about this. So the, if you haven't heard the announcement, basically at the end of May, and the, the, you're listening to this and it's the beginning of July, that's how far behind we are on these comments. So at the end of May, Amazon announced that they're going to be doing a print-on-demand service for their comics. They have some comic creators that are actually creating comics, and you can actually buy them digitally on Comixology, which if you didn't know, Comixology is owned by Amazon. If you would like a physical copy... Amazon will ship you a physical copy of the book for a certain price, but they're going to print it on demand. Now, if you're wondering how exactly this works, there's a similar thing out there. Amazon has for at least six years. I don't know if it's been longer, but I know it's been for at least six years. Amazon has been printing on demand DVDs for certain companies. Warner Warner Archive, which is a sub company of warner home entertainment they produce a bunch of like older tv shows um not super popular blockbuster type movies a lot of movies that have never been released on dvd or blu-ray they are the division of warner entertainment that has actually been 
updating it so that they can actually be in a DVD format. In some cases, they obviously have to transition the stuff from film to a digital format. In some cases, they have to upgrade the version of it. If you bought Batman Mask of the Phantasm on Blu-ray last year, that actually came from Warner Archive. And chances are you bought it and it was shipped to you from Amazon. If you didn't buy it on Amazon and you bought it on Warner Brothers' website, it's still coming from Amazon. It's just not labeled it's coming from Amazon. Amazon, for years now, has been doing a print-on-demand. They have a factory inside of Kentucky near one of their giant fulfillment centers that actually will print DVDs, print the cover art, slide it into a, you know, a, just a generic case, and you will get it. This has been the case for years and years and years. And I think that there's actually other companies who utilize this too but i'm not familiar with them obviously i'm familiar with the warner archive side of things because of our coverage with warner brothers stuff um, but i know that that's the way it works now printing comics is obviously different than printing dvds i'm not exactly sure how it's going to work but the idea of printing on demand is definitely something that deserves some discussion because this could be the wave of the future i mean we've already seen a lot of stuff go digital we've seen digital being a serious contender when it comes to certain books lasting longer than others. So the the reality of it is, if you can buy it digitally, and then if you actually want to have a print copy, order a print copy, and they'll ship it to you, you know, automatically. What do you think about that? That's awesome. I Except, like it. So I love it. I think it's fantastic. But it does make me wonder what this would do for the collecting market of back issues. Like, I'm assuming this is just coming from the collector side of me that this is going to be identified as a print-on-demand somehow, right? Because take um, well, take the Teen Titans or the Titans that just sold out, right? Would, would this no longer be a thing anymore? Would selling out be impossible? Could I just go order it 10 years from now? Well, it would be. A, I think it would be completely impossible over time because the idea, I mean, like, obviously if this has become, if, if Amazon is able to basically reinvent the comic distribution market by this format, you better believe this will never happen. And honestly, you can change everything. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of retailers who believe that the the strong uh, the the chokehold that Diamond Distribution has on the comic industry is a bad thing. But quite honestly, it will it will it there will won't be, be one if this happens much smaller in comparison than a Amazon basically selling everybody print on demand issues. <laughs> and that is honestly, I think. The thing that will be the future. If this works and Amazon can make it successful, this is the future. And you know, comic stores left, right are gonna they're gonna well, be how? gone because they're the only thing you can buy is the back issues. And honestly, you said you I think you just said in the last episode you, know, you go to a comic shop and now they're like you want a back issue and they're like oh go buy it on eBay because it's not it's not beneficial for them to have all of these back issues. But how far back does this go? Like. Just for instance, uh, the collecting world, like Batman number one from uh, New 52 still gets a decent price on eBay, right? Or Detective Comics number yeah. one, I think. So will I be able to go back and say, oh, I want another another one of those number ones. I'm just going to print one. Like, do, will that make what we currently think of collecting comics a thing of the past? I think so. And I'm not, I'm not I mean, saying I'm I think, against honestly... it. I'm just saying, will it, you know? Right. I'm not against it either, but I can honestly tell you as someone who has sold comics on eBay that it will, I mean, if it becomes a massive thing, like in 10 years, 
selling comics is not even going to be feasible because why would you if you can just i mean like <laughs> someone like the the collectability of comics will not matter if you can just get anything printed well, on i'm demand. wondering if there'll be a, a, a watermark or something identifying it well there i'm sure there will be something that says but it's, it's still you know, going to kill the value. demand yeah, or, i mean but it's still going to kill the value because i mean the thing is like there's people who will have no problem getting a cheap you know if it was like two bucks to get an issue and it was shipped to you for free. That's cheap. That's really cheap. And I really cheap. want to order one off and Amazon. One of these print-on-demands. Just to see what the paper yeah, looks like. Just to and see. The, yeah. I know that seems stupid almost, right? But, like, if I get that comic and it feels just like a comic I get at a comic book store. And I don't know the reason why they make cheap paper. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. But if it does, that'll kill the market, man. Like. Well, I'm not a collector, but like, what does what matters to a collector having, you know, all 25 issues of Dick and Jane? It's different. Or, there's, there's honestly, no, there's, there's, yeah, because yeah, I think there's there's I mean there's definitely two different types of collectors. There's the collector who wants the first prints, the originals, mm-hmm. and they want it in really good condition. And then there's ones who they don't care about the condition; they just want to fill out. You want the entire runs, and honestly, I feel like there's those are two different. I mean, when I first started collecting, I was definitely the person who just wanted to get complete runs. That's how it was. And then as I my, as my collecting grew, I realized, man, I've got a lot of really crap issues that I shouldn't have kept. And then I started replacing them, and that was a massive undertaking in and of itself. But not everybody's like that, and I don't know. I mean, like the other part of it is. The one area of the market that I would think that this would be really, really good for is trades. Because if they're able to print trades on demand, that would be a Mm -hmm. massively great thing. Because trades go out of print so easily nowadays, especially with some of the stuff that, like, DC underestimates the popularity. Like, for example, the Steph Steph Brown Batgirl stuff. That stuff is extremely hard to get. You're talking, like, $40 for a trade I mean, they've just started to, you know, like start to bring some of them back. But I mean, like it's trades are really hard to find. And even going on eBay and looking for trades, they're really hard. So the prices on certain ones are just retarded too, like insane. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I've been kind of like, you know me, I'm a trade guy for collecting except Batman. I don't mean all Batman, just the title Batman. But like. I don't know, like, this could, I don't know, this could change everything. And it'd be really interesting to see where we are in five years. You know, I just, it could change a lot, but I think the trades are, I mean, I think this whole industry could kill, it could just kill the idea of not in print, or even kill the idea of a back issue in a way. Like, what if I wanted to read Green Arrow? And I wasn't currently reading Green Arrow. And I like the issue, I could see it was going to be a big boon for comics, though, right? So if I'm, I, I get a copy of Green Arrow, and I'm like, man, I really like this. I could go on Amazon and just be like, all right, give me the last ten issues, print them, and send it to me. I could do that, right? In theory. Well, hypothetically, in the future, yes, but not no, but I'm right saying, now. In, in theory, in the future, that could change the whole. I mean, I think it could be good for comics in a really good way. I think it could be good for really good for comic the comic companies. I think it'll be really bad oh, for Diamond's the, the comic stores and Diamond. I mean, they're gone. In this this idea of this, I mean, like, they'd have to completely shift their market to not just carrying new comics because, I mean, well, I guess there are stores who just carry new comics, so they wouldn't have to really there's, worry there's about this. There's two in my but, city. Yeah, 
And I, and I know that in a lot of them in a lot of other smaller cities, they don't have the capabilities to have a massive store filled with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of back issues. So the thing is, like, yes, it could completely change. But I think the most immediate change could be the trades. The trades is something that I think could change immediately because there's no reason they can't just overproduce. There's no specific, there's no, like, at no point has there ever really been, like, well, this is an addition. We only do these trades at a specific addition run. There's only 2,000 of them. There's only 10,000 of these made. There's only 20,000. Like, they don't really do that. So trades could be something where, like, here, let's try this with trades because trades in general are cheaper than if you collected the individual comics. But the thing is, like, the problem I see with it is that DC, obviously, they want people to go buy the digital copies, which are readily available, but are always overpriced. Because if you could find the back issues, you're going to get them cheaper than if you buy them digitally. Plus, you'll have a physical thing in your hand, which I know some people have a thing about. So the thing is, like, trades, on the other hand, I, I just... This, it makes the most sense. If they move their trade stuff towards that... And let's not be honest. The trades already are in a different market than what just what Diamond does anyway. Because trades are also in bookstores. And they're in... Target you know, has in killing some jokes. Retail stores. Always. Exactly. Always. Mm-hmm. So, like... So they're in other avenues. So trades makes the most sense. If you're going to put trades wherever you want them to have them, why not have them readily available on Amazon on demand? It it probably reduces the cost for DC to do it. I mean, maybe the quality goes down or maybe DC, you know, they have these special edition ones where, like, they're better quality or something. But, like, and obviously they do that all the time. I mean, practically every year they come out with a new edition of The Killing Joke. It just, it just happens. But the thing is, like, I can honestly see this changing trades before it changes the comics because I feel like the direction that they're trying to go with the comics is digital everything, but that's just too far away. We're I mean, not there the, yet. the mindset yeah. of the mindset of the reader is is just not at a digital place. So, okay, so jumping over to two forty nine, Zach had another really long comment that dealt with um, basically the announcement of Kelly Jones coming back to the books. Um, he went on to talk about some of the other artists that he has enjoyed, but other people tend not to enjoy. But his main question that he posed to us was, do we have any artists that we admire, but often other we find that other readers dislike? That hmm. other people dislike. That's such a relative question, I can honestly yeah, because say... Because some people dislike, you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, I mean, well, yes. I mean, but the thing is, like, obviously, I I don't like Kelly Jones, I really like Raphael Albuquerque, and I know he drives some people nuts. Yes, I think he does too, but I, and I think it's just because of the grittiness of his, his art. But I like it. I, I like Albuquerque's stuff. And you know it's Albuquerque's work when you see it. Like, yes. There isn't any yes. doubt about it. That'd probably be mine, because there's a lot of people that like complained about Albuquerque even when he was on that All-Star Batman round with Snyder. And I really like his work all the way back to like American Vampire and stuff before that. Um, so I guess mine would be Albuquerque. Yeah. I don't know if people like him other than than they're supposed to but i really don't like frank miller at all as an artist yeah, yeah. I don't like frank yeah. Miller either. and especially recently yeah like his art in dk3 is junk just junk i agree with you that's a really good pull stuff because he's i think sometimes we confuse frank miller the great mythic writer from his classic mm-hmm. stories with some of his borderline junk artwork <laughs> yeah it's true 
I'll say this. One of the artists that I do like, that I, that I have heard other people say that they don't like, is Norm Brayfogel. I really liked Norm Brayfogel. Really? Um, and I've heard people say they don't like him. But he kind of did the same thing with the ears that you hate so much. Brayfogel had a little bit of long, long ear from time to time. But it's, it's not just about the ears. I mean, the ears is part of it, but it's not just about the ears. It's about the tone of the, the art being yes, like... Yes, I agree with that. Kelly Jones' tone is more horror, and I don't like that tone i just don't think it works for batman i in certain aspects or certain stories it could work and there's you know but like when i when i go back and i read like nightfall and see kelly jones art i just like it doesn't fit for the story there's you know this story that they're doing with scarecrow the kelly jones art might actually work because it's a scarecrow it's supposed to be that horror aspect and that might be fine but in the regard of you know like a classic story like Nightfall, it just the art just doesn't add and up to what what it in is. In fairness, I think that Kelly Jones' art worked really well in the Batman Red Rain story because it is such a horror, Dracula, vampire, you know, like. So okay, I see your point. All right, so then jumping over to two fifty, which I said I wasn't going to read these comments, and I am not going to, but I want to thank I want to thank. Gotham Central, Don, No Deuces, Zach, and Ian for leaving comments, congratulating us on 250. And then finally, let's get to 251 as we try to mad dash towards the end here. So we're going to skip the first one. We'll come back to it in a minute just because it's really long. But first up, uh, let's say Evan G sent us a message via Facebook that said, however the marriage gets dissolved, it probably won't be worse than Bruce making a deal with Satan to save an old woman in exchange for his marriage. So if you don't know what he's referring to, he's referring to, I believe it's called One Day Later. I think it's called that. It's basically Spider-Man made a deal with Mephisto or whatever the heck the guy's name is that completely got rid of the wedding to, of him and Mary Jane. I know that I don't much. know anything about Spider-Man. I, I can't, I can't, can't say, I can't say the name and I, and I don't know. I think it was called One Day Later, One DL. I think it's described online. I only know this because I think Don and Josh have, and Stella have brought this up so many different times over the years that I think that's how I might have known it just by osmosis. <laughs> Steph, do you know anything about Superman comics, Spider-Man comics? I literally just know about that much. I, I saw some kind of what culture comics list, I think, of worst somethings. <laughs> worst <laughs> worst somethings, right. and that was on it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so next, our next comment comes from Swift. Okay, what do you guys think of repositioning of the Bat family as we wait for the tech relaunch? Duke and Cass look like they're being shuffled into the Outsizers. Uh, Barbara is back in Gotham. Jason has been kicked unceremoniously out. Dick is suddenly a featured player in Batman again. Could this be part of the plan? Is it a precursor to the new Bat family tech? So, that's a very good point. So, if you listen to us talk about the solicitations, Barbara is coming from Burnside back into Gotham. That's the new direction for that series. Jason is on on the outs with the Bat family after whatever happens in the Red Hood annual in August. Hasn't happened yet, but will be there eventually, yeah. Yeah, and then it does sound like Duke and Cass are going to potentially be shuffled in The Outsiders. Now, the assumption there is that they're being shuffled just because they're being featured in the story. Um, Also, the fact that Black Lightning is being brought into the team as a teacher, Cassandra and Duke both seemingly need Mm -hmm. that. So it would make sense if they were part of that. Also, it it gives them a place to be outside of just disappearing like Tim Drake and Stephanie did. So, I mean, like... What do I think of the reposition of the Bat family? 
I'm okay with it. I mean, the thing is, the outsider thing is probably not going to happen for at least in, in, until at least October, because obviously the soonest that it could happen is in October when they if they announce it in July. So it gives them a place. I'm okay with. I really do want Barbara to come back because I want to have Barbara interacting with her father, and we we know from the solicitations that that is going to be happening, and I really kind of want that to be happening. Because I really, like I've said multiple times, I really want to get to that point where she just tells her dad that she's back at all. I mean, that would be great. Please just let it happen. Um, but, uh, so I'm okay with that. Jason Todd on the outs. I mean, in all honesty, he is, even though there has been issues where he's in Gotham and he's connected to some of these characters, he's still been on the outs. I mean, like, this seems like they're definitely taking a much more drastic change with him potentially being the murderous character but then again the solicitations could be you know psyching us out like we've seen in the past i mean in the beginning of red hood and the outlaws and rebirth there was a point where we thought he was going to kill black mask and he didn't he just made it seem like he killed or he was he was killing somebody for black mask and in turn he just made the person disappear with the help of batman so maybe it's not going to be as drastic as we think it is it's just he's got a new look, and he's not going to be around Gotham. Obviously, if it's still called Red Hood and the Outlaws, he's probably going to have other people as part of his group down the line. Who knows? But as it stands right now from what we know based off of the information we've been given, I'm okay with what they're doing. I mean, like, it's better than just completely taking characters off the board. And I say that because Steph and Tim are still have no place. I mean, at least Cassandra and Duke have a place. As we all know, I don't really care about Duke all that much, but he has a place. I mean, he had his three-issue miniseries, which was okay. It was, it was average, but honestly, he doesn't really appear all that often. So, I mean, this is the problem with creating too many characters and not having a real purpose or a real memorable reason to keep them around. So, I agree. I'm just going to say cosine. <laughs> all right. So, the next comment comes from... And I'm probably going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try Kalinsky. Okay, so basically, this comment goes from... This is a very, very long comment. If you want to read the entire comment, I suggest you head over to the site and take a look at it. But the big gist of what this comment has is that they specifically stated that they wish they would talk we would talk more about what we liked about the comics and not just about what we didn't like. So the thing is this, I'm at a little bit of a loss and I and I say this because this isn't the the first time that these type of comments have come up. In the past we've gotten reviews on iTunes that say we're completely negative and we're we're really mean to books and things like that. And during the New 52, I think that was completely warranted. In general, we tend to, we do tend to talk about stuff that we don't like. But I think the reason behind that mostly has to do with the idea of if it's something that we enjoyed, we you're not going to talk about it as much. I mean, you can turn on the radio and have someone and listen to talk radio, or you could turn on the news at night and listen to like an op-ed uh, point of view. And they're always talking about something they don't like. They're not really going on and on about things that they do like. And that's just how it works. That's that's what people listen to is people talking about things they don't like and why they don't like it and things like that. 
very rarely hear anybody, you know, like, let's, let's be honest here. How many people out there are reading the happy go lucky news all over the place? It's just not there. I mean, it's just not. And I say this knowing that I think they were actually pretty fair. I mean, like, for example, this issue of Detective Comics, I talked about the beginning of the Outsiders team, and I talked about this villain. I didn't talk about really anything that I disliked about that book. Um, I mean, I didn't go out of my way to say I specifically liked anything, but um, obviously when we the, the last couple of issues slash stories from Tom King, like the Booster Gold story, we really laid into that one because we didn't really like it. But I honestly, like, it's one of those things where, like, I can't really sit there and think about anything that I did like about that story. I didn't understand the placement. I didn't understand what the reason behind it for it was. And I didn't really like that ultimately it just was a lead up to the Heroes in Crisis, Tom King's story, you know, standalone miniseries that's coming in September. I mean, so the thing is, like, if I don't like something and I'm going to lay into it. I, I hope that I'm at least giving decent enough reasons because I think part of the complaints that we've had in the past from listeners is that when we complain about something, we don't give enough reason as to why we don't like something. We just say, well, I don't like it. And I think that we do a good enough job. And I speak for the three of us as well as Stella in the in the past because for the longest time it was Stella, myself, and Ed. I think that we've done a really good job of making sure that you're aware of why we don't like something or why we give something a specific rating um, so I won't say that we're not negative because we are, but honestly, I don't see how we can just be happy, happy, happy all the time about what we're getting. I mean, like, obviously if everything was great, we would probably not have two hour long podcasts and we wouldn't have comments coming from you guys talking, you know, asking us questions about what the things you like and what you don't like, because quite honestly, a lot of the comments that we get are also about, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. Why did it have to be like this? And I and I and I say this knowing that you know, hey, hey next ish, next episode is going to be Batman number fifty. And some of you may send in your comments on this episode for us to talk about Batman number fifty because you've read it before the episode comes out, and you're gonna have you're gonna have things you're not gonna like about that issue. I can almost guarantee it. So, yeah, it's tough. And I get what you're saying. Like nobody wants to listen to a slag off on the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. I do. And I think that sometimes we could probably be more cognizant of it. Right? Like, sometimes maybe we could be a little better about it. But I think that when things are great, like, our very last episode, we went on about how glorious that Detective Comics issue mm-hmm, was. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how awesome it was. And if you don't like this, you don't like comics. It's that good. It's amazing. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I agree that we should sometimes focus on positivity. But not at the expense of talking about how we feel. Though this comment does come on the heels of that Booster Gold story. Which was bad. Which was three weeks long. You know, so that's a month and a half. And I I like skeets. And that's my list of things I liked about those issues. (laughs) And I had planned on coming onto this podcast to be more positive. And I just, I, (laughs) But, but But, I mean, Steph's making a really good point here. We had one episode, our last episode, where we, two episodes ago, whatever it was, where we just, we ripped on that, but then the next episode we talked about how great Detective was. I think it really just mm-hmm. depends on what we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with what we're reading, what we're reviewing, and things like that. I mean, let's let's be honest here. If you remember correctly, we thought Rebirth, the worst book of Rebirth was going to be Red Hood and the Outlaws, written by Scott Lobdell. 
And it wasn't by far. And I think for like a year and a couple months, every single time we would give a rating to that book, it was always thumbs up because it was really, really good. Now it just feels like it's drawn out this Bizarro super smart for a little bit too long. And obviously there's a new direction coming very soon here. So that's great. Um, but it's one of those things where it just depends on what's here. I mean, like, obviously we can review a book and like it and praise it because we have, I mean, detective comics two episodes ago, which would have been not two episodes ago, but when we talked about detective comics in episode 249, we all absolutely loved mm -hmm. that issue. And I don't think we really talked about any bad things in that issue. Uh, even last episode, when we talked about Bat or Detective Comics in episode 251, that was the one with uh, the the cult, um, mm -hmm. Deacon Blackfire. I mean, it was a good standalone issue. It was surprising because you don't tend to get those. Detective Comics, this episode, you know, same thing. Like, we were enjoying what we're getting out of that. And yeah, maybe it is because I, I, I skimmed through the rest of your, your, your comment and you also made a comment to say that, you know, people are a little too hard on Tom King. Tom King is still selling 100,000 issues, so clearly people might be hard on him, but he's still selling the book. If he was doing a bad job, the book would be selling less. And yes, that's true. But I'm going to just say this. Tom King is on the top title for DC Comics. The Batman book sells, on average, 100,000 copies every single month, regardless of who's on the book. Scott Snyder was on the book, and it sold 120, 130, 150 at times. So it's not as if it's selling as well as Scott Snyder's run did. Um, and, and But Batman is, and has been since the 90s, the basis of Diamond's ratings. They average Batman selling 100,000 issues every single month, regardless of who's on the book so saying well it's selling a hundred thousand issues it must be doing good it's not necessarily the best you know the best reasoning because that's not really the it always sells that much that's why it's considered the mainstay for diamond and and they always rate that as a the hundred type book so anyway I say that also with the regards of here's the thing we're hard on tom king but the thing is it's just because it's not it's not that he's a bad writer. And I think there's a lot of things we do give him props on his dialogue. We've, there has been short stories that he has done and given us that have actually been really good. Um, we talked about, you know, the, the story with wonder woman, that one was except for the cliffhanger that, that freaked some people out. Um, the story was actually a pretty good story. The one with Clark and Lois was really good. The actual proposal, the, the, the short story with Catwoman and Batman after the Bane storyline, He's done really good stories. The annuals, the annuals have been amazing. It's not that he's bad. It's just this entire idea of this ongoing story arc. If you read Batman number 50 and you get to the final pages and you see the huge twist, and I'm not talking about whether or not the wedding goes through. I'm talking about the reveal of why it does or does not go through. If you see that twist, you'll notice there's a bunch of characters in a specific panel. And trust me, you'll know it when you see it. That makes everything somehow interconnected, but you're looking at that panel and you're staring at it and you're thinking to yourself, how exactly is all this stuff super connected? Other than the fact that Tom King has been writing it this entire time. And when you ask yourself, how is all of it connected? And you're looking at the characters that actually represented in that, in that picture, then come back to me and say that everything that Tom King has been doing has been really, really good because I love to have 
the explanation as to how all of this stuff has been super connected to the point that we get at the end of number 50. But we're supposed to be filling in all these gaps. And that's the thing. You cannot tell an, a, a series of, of you cannot tell a series of story arcs that all interconnect the way this is going to interconnect and not and and then leave the reader to fill in the gaps. I'm sorry. And I and I say that because also in your comment you made a comment about um, ever hear about show don't tell and I just I don't agree with that I talked about it earlier when we talked about when we were talking about Zach's comment in general it just this is a very very large very very large story and it's just it's the one ahead. thing I gotta say about the the problem with saying show don't tell is you have to show it to me right like mm-hmm. show don't tell means you show the action on build but it never suggests that you don't show what's going on the whole point is you show it instead of selling it, it's supposed to be stopping over monologuing and things like that you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying but they still have to show it you know what i'm saying if you don't show it to me then you're neither showing nor telling me you're just mm-hmm. not doing it at all yeah and and to be fair to kalinsky i i'm i'm reading the back half of your comments and I know that you're not going to enjoy what's what happens at the end of 50 because you make a comment about certain things if they go a certain way that you would be a very sad person for a long time. And Bottoms up. I, you know, like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> bottoms up, buddy. And I'm not saying this, and I, I, honestly, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm just saying, like, you'll you, what you experience at the end of 50 is how we feel at certain ends of these these story arcs that we don't really find the necessity or the reason behind them. Okay, and then the other part of it is the connection that somehow is everything's supposed to connect. Like when you read 50 and you get done with it and you are not in a good place, then you're going to feel exactly the way we feel, but we just feel it more often. I mean, honestly, and, and that's the thing. So that is the last comment that we have. At, at this point, we are all caught up. So if you have comments that you'd like us to talk about on the next episode, please head over to the website, leave your comments, or you can... Send us to them on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. I plug all these comments in so that we make sure that we cover every single one of them. So if you have any comments you'd like us to talk about or discussion points, obviously we've ran out of time and we're not going to do Monkey Watch. Maybe maybe we'll do it in some other format because the, the topic that we were planning on talking about was the DC Universe streaming service and how comics is being included in the service. And we, I kind of wanted to talk about that, but... As usual, the listener comments took up a good chunk. We're so very we're gonna, happy about. Yes, them. we are very. Yes, we are still very happy about. And but at this point, now that we're caught up, we might actually have a chance to have Monkey Watch. But if we have comments, we're just gonna, you know, we'll just do the comments. I mean, the comments is what drives us because it gives us things to talk about. And obviously, you guys would probably prefer your questions to be answered than us talk about and- Monkey Watch. So, if you have already read Batman number 50, go ahead and comment on it on the next episode. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Comment in on this so that way the next episode we can actually read your comments and talk about it as right after we discuss the episode because it'll be fresh. If we get a bunch of comments, I haven't sent any to Dustin yet, so he's probably going to tell me we can't do this. But if we get a bunch of comments, I'd almost like to move Q&A up to coincide right with Batman. Just do it together. Like Yeah. Yeah, we do, can do that. If you guys put some some comments specifically on the wedding issue, we'll do Batman Fifty. We'll do our questions, and then we'll we'll go through it right there because I think that would make more cohesive sense with the story. Yes, exactly. So if you have questions about the wedding, put them in the normal comments section, 
and we will specifically cover those during the review for Batman 50 on the next episode. So with that, I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, video games, merchandise, and of course the comics. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are greatly appreciated. Check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the Batman universe. Support us on Patreon. Buy some merch if you're interested. Send us your comments either via email or post on the website or any other form that you guys communicate with us, and we'll make sure we cover those on the next episode. Outside of that, I just want to say a real quick two seconds. If you are on the fence about whether or not you want to support us at the $3 level, Take a listen after the outro. We're actually going to post for you the very first episode of TBU Raw, which would be accessible for you in the future if you were at the $3 level. So if you're interested in hearing what it actually could be, take a listen at the after the outro and get an idea. And then if you are interested in hearing Ed and I talk about that stuff more in the future, you can support us at the $3 level and that'll secure your ability to get those episodes. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Hungry. This is Steph. You've been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Batman number 50? Yes, I have. So I'm sure you, uh, obviously we, we get review copies so we know what happened, but um, the New York Times on Sunday morning, I thought it was quite interesting. I thought this is what we could talk about this time around was the fact that uh, this, uh, the entire Batman 50, which DC has been building towards for quite some time with the hype and the marketing and the tie-ins and the varying covers that are supposed to release with it. And suddenly I wake up on Sunday morning and New York Times sends out a tweet with not just a, hey, spoiler warning, here's the end of Batman 50, but... Yeah, no spoilers. They, yeah. Yeah, no spoilers. Just in their in their actual headline says that the wedding doesn't happen. So, yeah. yeah uh I mean, obviously, as someone who had already read the issue and I knew what happened, it didn't ruin it for me. But but we're not the I vast th- majority of the population. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that uh, I was reading that I immediately thought to myself, well, there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. I mean, that was my initial impression when I read the issue. But having it ruined three days beforehand, I mean, I even sent out a tweet saying, hey, there are big spoilers out there. Steer clear of basically the Internet if you're not wanting it ruined as soon as I saw it. And then it was only about two hours after that that I saw DC retweet the New York Times or, like, say that New York Times was publishing spoilers and here, here's a link to read it. And Which I just, is insane. I, just don't yeah. it. I don't get it. I mean – I can't think of any reason why they'd want it spoiled on purpose. It's not like it's going to help the sales, you know? Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, here's the thing. I 
don't see it helping sales whatsoever. If anything, this will only hurt the sales. If the wedding actually went through, then I don't know why they would have needed to do something like this anyway. Now, from the standpoint that I know DC is at, which is, well, if we can get attention from mass, you know, normal audience that doesn't read comics, why not? And clearly that's what they were aiming for. But I don't think that DC – it's the same exact principle as DC doing the New 52 and saying the entire intent is to bring in the new readers. But, yeah, but then I think all it's almost readers, worse than that. Yeah. It, I mean, well, yeah, it is because it's ruining the story instead of just going about a story or, you know, a direction at least for a line. But it just – this is one of the the way the reason I say it's like the new 52 is because it was all about let's start fresh let's have these great jumping on points for new readers and we'll get a bunch more new readers and everything will be so much greater and I think it's the same thing like hey let's you know if people are reading about this wedding and they want to know what happened and they want to know why it doesn't happen maybe they're going to go pick up pick it up but but they're completely ignoring the major fan base that they have and the underlying group of people that actually purchase these comics and obviously purchase a lot of these variants and things like that and they're just completely ignoring them by just saying hey you know what doesn't matter that all we you know that uh we have that the the book doesn't come out till wednesday we're just going to tell everybody because our hope is that we can increase sales but i don't see how this actual reaction would ever increase sales if they were actually getting married, then maybe you got a shot. But I'd have to think that the average person that reads that goes, oh, yeah, so what, they're not getting married? Okay. Like, where's the draw? Like, I don't get I don't get. I don't understand why you would spoil it. I don't understand why you would publicize the fact. Like, if the New York Times did it and did something stupid and they, and they put a headline up they shouldn't have, okay, then I guess that sucks, but what are you can do about it? But then to go out and publish the fact, they go, hey, look look what we did. We spoiled the the biggest lead-up to a story that we can remember. Have a nice day. Like, what the hell? You know, like, why? Yeah. It, it I, I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, and, then and then their response since then has been, like, retarded. Like, oh, it's yeah. all cool. Like, you know, we, we did it on purpose. Like, no, you couldn't have. Like, I, and then I'm sure you saw Tom King's tweet about a hundred, it, that the, the actual story hasn't been spoiled. Because he's telling a 100-issue story. Well, and see, that's the thing. Like, the problem is that it's just – it's ignoring all of the hype and the publicity and the marketing that they've put towards the wedding and just saying, oh, wait, wait, what are you talking about? We weren't actually hyping a wedding. We were just hyping the midway point of a 100-issue story arc. And it's like – Which you were is insane. It was a massive thing. It's a massive story. That's great. You know, as a comic reader and as a, you know, person who reviews these comics, I'm glad to see that this is not the end of the story. I mean, I know Tom King has come out on Twitter and said this is not the end of the Batman-Catwoman relationship because there are so many people who are pissed off right now. He has had to actually come out and say, listen, this isn't the end of their relationship. This is really just one part of the story that will be part of, the 100 issues, the entire one-issue story arc is the relationship between Batman and Catwoman, which, I mean, that's what we kind of assumed, but it's still one of those things where it's like the fact that he has to come out and say that because this marketing thing that DC decided to do, I mean, let's be honest, 
the New York Times was the one who spoiled it, but it was DC who gave them the information and gave them the okay to do but, it. And this isn't the first my, time that looks like this has happened either. No, here was my only thought about it, and, and, I, and I don't know if this is true or not. This is just guesswork. But my only thought was maybe the New York Times, like, spoiling the article is one thing, but in the headline is just bad, right? Yeah, like, the, just the bad. headline is horrible. And the only explanation yeah. I can come up with with that headline is that the reporter wrote the article, but then his editor was the one who chose the headline because that's that's very common in newspaper or in this type of – because he does technically work for a newspaper. It just happens to be online. But that's the only explanation I can think of. In his – there's been a couple articles I've seen online, him talking about um, the article itself and how – he kind of regrets the way it all played out. He was he was asked by DC to actually put an article in the vows section, like the, you know the announcements, the wedding right. engagement announcement section, and he he decided. Then DC even they commissioned Mikkel Jennings to do a, a, a unique piece of art specifically for the article. And while he was going about doing it, he decided there was no way he could do the story and be genuine without describing the fact that the wedding doesn't actually happen. So he got the okay from D.C. and then just ran with it. And he didn't say whether or not he chose the headline or not. He just said he, he regrets that the headline was what it was. He's not putting the blame on anybody else. So maybe it was his decision to do that headline. But this is just – it doesn't make any sense as to why – uh, here's the thing. Like, we we've been around – long enough to know that, you know, it used to be like Newsroom and comic book resources would get ridiculous spoilers on Tuesday nights that they would spoil before the, you know, before the comics would actually release. Now we're getting into like, well, we can get into bigger media. So we can get into the New York Times, which is clearly a bigger organization than something like comic book resources and Newsroom. And DC can just, you know, do whatever they want because it's not, I, I don't know. It's just, it's super frustrating because I just keep thinking, I don't know who this is benefiting. Like, mass, the mass people, the, the mass audience that DC is trying to get to, I don't know if this is even something that gets to their radar. I mean, I haven't seen, no. I, don't watch, I don't watch a lot of TV or anything, so I don't know if it's popped up on, like, CNN or something like that as some off story to talk about on Monday morning. But I don't know. I, I just don't understand who... The, when you spoil this stuff, and this isn't the first time this has happened, they did the exact same thing, and it wasn't with New York Times, but it was with somebody else. They did the exact same thing with Damien dying, like, two days before the issue came out. And, like, That's right. I don't think anybody thought that he was actually going to die, but it was spoiled two days before because of it. And the thing is, the excuse of, well, there's other sites out there that probably would have spoiled it, or the retailers would have spoiled it, or it would have ended up on Reddit, if we didn't spoil it ourselves, so what? Mass people and the mass amount of people are not going to find that stuff and seek it out ahead of time, not knowing that it's out there. Like, that's like, oh, it's everywhere. Even, even, even for someone like me and you, like, who try to avoid spoilers, right? Like, it was everywhere. You couldn't avoid it at all. Yeah, there's like, no way. Because then sites started picking up and running an article, the Newsaramas and the CBRs of the world, started running articles talking about the fact that the New York Times had, in fact, spoiled the – you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Then the fact that it got spoiled became an article well before it was actually came out. And I just, it's just like you would think that this issue, Batman number 50, the wedding issue, oversized, blah, 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 blah. You think if Batman number has 100,000, that this should typically sell, what, 135, 140, somewhere in there? Right? Yeah. I, I, wonder if it, I wonder if it'll do that now. I wonder if it'll just be a flat line and just be the normal people to buy comics because this doesn't help anybody. It's stupid. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't I, see the upside. I don't, I don't get it. And, you know, the the so-called bullet points that were released by DC, this was from uh, the senior vice president of sales. Um, supposedly there was five bullet points that he released to retailers explaining what why this went about going about it. And the one that I thought was the one that I thought was kind of interesting was that he specifically said that they assumed it was going to post on Monday morning, not on Sunday morning. And I'm sure you're thinking like, well, what is who gives a shit? That? Yeah, like why would that even make a difference? Yeah, like oh, why? Would oh, so why I got spoiled twelve hours early. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're still you're still ruining the story one way or the other. So I mean, like. I don't know. And the the thing is, like, then it goes on to say, like, well, we wanted to get you the information before it was released, but we didn't because we thought it was going to happen on Monday. You're telling me that you gave the okay to spoil a comic book to a huge media outlet, and they didn't tell you when they were going to publish the article? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, dude, someone actually said to me that I was talking to when it first happened, and not knowing that I had a review copy, was like, Maybe they're just saying that so it'll be a big surprise and the issue comes out and they actually get married. And I'm like, yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that didn't happen. You know, like, yeah. it's just, it's just silly. And it, it's, it's, the whole thing turns out to be silly. Like, so let's say we get to issue 100, right? And we have another Catwoman Batman wedding. And they do all the tie-ins and stuff again. I mean, who's going to want to go down this rabbit hole again? You know what I'm saying? Well, that's like, the worst part. That, yeah, that's absolutely the worst part about this. I mean, like, I'm all for getting to 100 and they actually get married. The problem is that there's a, it, it, they cannot build it up the same way. Like, it has to literally just happen offhand and just that's it because they've blown all of the possibilities of everything. I mean, like, all these, you know, the the, the tons and tons of variants that they have for this episode or for this issue – that specifically are featuring the two of them getting married or them in some sort of, you know, close pose or whatever. Like, why would, like, why would we do that all over again in two years when 100, when number 100 comes out? It doesn't make any sense. Like, the tie-ins, like, why, what was the reason for all of this unnecessary nonsense? You know, the, the tie-ins, I, I don't want to, you know, go off on a, into a rabbit hole here, but those tie-ins, Make absolutely no difference if you read them or not. No, because the, and the worst part about it is like he, honestly, and I, and I, I kind of want to be able to interview Tom King like in a way where he doesn't care about what he says, but I can still talk about it because I like can't get back from DC in eight years. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Because honestly, it feels like the preludes were an afterthought. And DC was like, well, how can we, what can we do? Because we've got, we've got a, we got a little bit less books than normal in May and June. So we're going to be already doing Man of Steel in uh, May. We're going to be just doing Just Signal Justice. We got to do something for the Bat books because something, you know, that we've got an event coming up in there. So let's do wedding tie-ins. Yeah, that's a great idea. 
the wedding tie, the preludes are all so disconnected to themselves and the actual issues that are coming out. It makes no sense. The very last, no. the very last prelude that releases Harley Quinn and Joker leads into Batman number forty-eight, but that came out four weeks before that. Why yeah, the would you? Is, why would you claim that? The, the the preludes are all a lie. Like, and I don't. I'm not throwing that around casually. I mean it. Like, we have a prelude that talks about Damien's relationship with Catwoman, and we have one where who's going to be the best man and who's on the guest list. But none of that even took place. Yeah, like, none of it took there place. There wasn't a best man. There wasn't even a guest list. I mean, I, I knew there was going to be a problem with the preludes because the first week before the first issue of the preludes even released, Tom King sent out a tweet on Twitter on, like, uh, Tuesday, like the day before the first prelude came out, where someone asked, like, who's, you know, who's going to be, who's on the guest list or something like that. And his response was, oh, it's the best kept secret in the world, but none of that stuff is going to get revealed until issue number 50. And I'm like, but don't you know that there's like five preludes coming out for the next five weeks before the number 50? What about those? And I thought to myself, no, he's being completely honest. They don't matter because when you read no 50, none of them matter. I mean, anything that happened that was anything of, of significance was completely ignored for that issue. And it's just it just comes across it's, as like this is DC trying to make money, and it is kind of screwing with his story because now the question is how many people are going to be pissed about Batman and Catwoman not getting married even though, honestly, if no publicity was happening, you just assumed it was going to happen, it probably wouldn't be a big deal because it wasn't like for three months all we heard about was the weddings happening and you see these ads inside the comics about you're cordially invited to the Bat-Cat wedding and all this other nonsense that is completely stupid because you're just building. It's like saying, hey, everybody, we're going to be watching the series finale of a humongous show, like let's say Breaking Bad. And then the, the season finale happens, and you're watching it, and you're like, this is so great. But then all of a sudden at the end, they're like, but wait, we're actually going to come back next season. So what you thought was the end of the story, <laughs> it's not the end. Well, it's even, it's even worse than that because it's disingenuous. Like, issue 50 has no relation to the marketing. There is no guest list. There is, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's just the whole thing is disingenuous. All the tie-ins are are junk that almost you could almost look at them as out of continuity because it certainly don't seem to happen in the same place that this story takes place in. You know, I mean the whole you know who's my best man you know blah 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 it means nothing because it never transpires. Like the whole thing is just a mess. And I don't know if if maybe DC thought let's just spoil it and get it out of the way. Maybe they realized this is a mess. You know what I mean? Like, this is why people get upset at comic books, because you had two years of buildup to tell us, well, wait, in another couple of years, we might, no, like, this is dragging, this is dragging on way too long. Like, even the, 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 the semi-legitimate criticism of Scott Snyder of, man, his stories go on forever sometimes. This pales in comparison. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think this is a mess, pure and simple. And it'll be interesting on the next comic cast to really get into it because b- besides just the marketing part of it, there's story stuff that is, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a massive problem with the story. But yeah, like you said, we'll get into that on the comic cast. But 
Yeah, as far as this marketing, I mean, like, I, I, it's one of those things where, you know, seeing it all play out, and, and I, the best part is, like, you see Tom King make a comment about something, and then you read his, you know, you read the replies that he got from it, and I just feel bad for him, because I don't think this was his plan at all, and I feel bad because it's like, now people are, I mean, like, just think about Comic-Con, if he goes to Comic-Con next month, which I'm sure he will be because he's on the top book right the now. Batman, he's the Batman writer. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to Comic-Con and they, you know, everybody just, be, you know, goes on and on about how, why did, why couldn't you just have let them gotten get married? I don't understand. And that's all he's going to get for the entire weekend because of this situation that in some ways DC has put themselves in. It's just ridiculous. Not some ways. They did put themselves in it. Like... You you did this. You sold us an event that literally never happened. Yeah. And it's just the marketing point of it is terrible. The story beats are bad. Like, I haven't been angry reading a comic book in a long time. But when I got to the end of that, I was actually angry. You know? I just – I don't get it. I don't think we ever will. I mean, it just seems like whoever's driving the bus in marketing needs to be sat down and taught some lessons about this is not how you market stuff unless you want to alienate your fan base, you should probably stop doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's where it is. All right. All right. Well, we'll get back into it on Comicast, and then uh, DC do better, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> that's the only hope we can hope for. Yeah, DC do better. So, All right, man. I will, uh, I'll get you next week.